0: Good morning, it's DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Welcome on in. On a Wednesday morning, it's a game night for the Utah Jazz, kind of, sort of, barely. It's really important, doesn't look that fascinating. They've got to win the games they should. If they're going to be the one seed, if they're going to go into the playoffs with momentum. Uh, Quinn Snyder keeps saying that he wants the team to be playing its best basketball, obviously wants them to be healthy. Well, if they're playing the best basketball, they are going to annihilate the Houston Rockets. The Rockets have got the complete rebuild coming. They made the Harden trade earlier this season. Uh, they were 11-10 and 10 on the night of Thursday, Thursday, February 4th, after a win at Memphis. And after that, everything fell apart. They lost 20 games in a row. And since then, they have gone uh, 4-33. and So after the 20-game losing streak... Boy, there's a phrase you never want to hear. After the 20-game losing streak, they kind of pulled it together and gone 4-13. and 13. They're not a good team. And they're not only losing, they're getting blown out. Their most recent game, Miami beat them by 22. game before that, they actually beat Orlando. But Orlando is another team that was gutted by midseason trades. Orlando went and traded off their three best players. So <laughs> that was that was one sorry team meeting another sorry team. One team headed for a rebuild meeting another team headed for a rebuild. Um They also lost to Denver on Friday by 29. So throughout the Orlando game, they lost to Denver by 29 and Miami by 22. The Jazz, if you want to rest, and Mark Jackson brought this up on the the podcast, on the ESPN broadcast Monday night during the Laker game. If you want rest, do it old school style. Blow teams out, sit in the fourth quarter. Why can't the Jazz win every quarter by 10 points? It's five possessions. Well, if you're shooting the three well, it's three or four possessions. And... Up by 10, up by 20, up by 30, and sit in the fourth quarter. Just blow the thing wide open. Dominate. You're way better than Houston. There's no reason to have starters in there playing tough minutes in the fourth quarter. And after this, they get two days off. They'll play again till wait for it, Minnesota on Saturday. And if Houston and Minnesota is in tough enough stretch, they double down with a trip to Minnesota on Monday. So, there's some winnable games coming up here for the Jazz. While the second-place Suns, who are a game and a half back, both teams were off last night, while the second-place Suns are slogging through the worst of their trip. Uh, They beat Milwaukee. They got off to a good start. They got a back-to-back with Boston and with, uh, what, Philadelphia? And then uh, they've got the two New York teams. So, for the Suns, they got two back-to-backs now over the course of this week. And... The Jazz, meanwhile, are playing the worst teams in the league, so the Jazz take care of business, beat the Rockets, beat the Timberwolves a couple of times, <laughs> believe it or not. After that, they have the Sacramento Kings, so it's uh, it ought to be four straight wins here for the Jazz. Well, five since they've already already beaten the Lakers, and they have you know one straight win, um, but it's Philly um, tonight. For Phoenix. So, chance the Jazz pick up a game today if they take care of business and if Philly can beat the Suns. And then they go back to back with Boston. So, it's Philly to Boston and then the back to back Sunday and Monday with Brooklyn and New York. So, chance for the Jazz to take care of business and pull away. Wouldn't be surprising to me if the Jazz were up by three games on the Suns by the time they play them on April 30th. When the road trip ends, they fly back and play the Clippers at home. And Speaking of the Clippers, I don't know if you stayed up and saw this game last night or if you checked it out online, but that was a heck of a game from Paul George. Kawhi Leonard's been resting. It's a foot injury. They're saying it's kind of precautionary. There's a little bit of a problem. They don't want to turn into a big problem. You're know, you a big guy, and you're running up and down the court, just all your weight pounding on that foot. A little foot problem can turn into a big problem. I know whenever Kawhi Leonard sits, eyebrows go up because he's taken – uh, resting and missing games to the, to the highest level of art form. I mean, he started in San Antonio, and they're really the one who turned this into a trend. They were very committed to resting their guys. And so he comes in there after Ginobili and Parker and Duncan have been resting, and he rests, and then he goes to Toronto and rests, but then plays in the playoffs and wins the championship. I think I think he took so much time off last year. There were probably multiple problems, but there were definitely problems with team chemistry in the locker room. You know, there's some guys who have been pretty successful in the team that had been pretty successful the year before he got there and before Paul George got there. And let's just say it didn't come together. You know, they let Montrez Harrell go. They made some other roster moves. They let the coach go. Doc Rivers is now in Philadelphia, so... But for the Clippers, no Kawhi Leonard. He's resting with a foot injury, and Paul George plays, and they're playing the Blazers, and Lillard's out. So it's kind of, you know, each team has one of their, their two big stars. McCollum did play, uh, but Paul George went off. And McCollum, 28 points, five rebounds, five assists. You know, it's not like McCollum had a bad game, but Paul George went for 33 points. He had 11 rebounds. And he scored six points in the final minute. He scored on each of the Blazers' last three possessions. He got a layup, he got a bucket, and then he got two free throws. And the two free throws came with five seconds left. He scored with 55 seconds, he scored with 33 seconds, he scored with five seconds left. And the Blazers only scored on one of their last three possessions. Now, they didn't have Lillard, the go-to guy, so there's that. Um... McCollum gave him a big shot. I guess he scored one of their last four because McCollum hit a shot, hit a big three to put him up five. And then he missed a shot, and Norman Powell missed a shot. And Powell had a pretty good game. He had 23 points. He was 10 of 20, 3 of 10 from three. McCollum was 3 of 12 from three. Um, Not great percentages. And the Clippers get out of there with the one-point win. They survived a shot at the buzzer. And, you know, it would have been easy to just go one for two at the line, and Paul George didn't do it. He hit them both with five seconds left for the winning tying point and then the winning point. Six of his 33 in the final minute. you got to give up to Paul George. He's having a really good regular season. That was a big-time performance in a regular season setting. I know he's got to do it in the playoffs, but you got to applaud what he pulled off last night. Clippers beat the Blazers. So updated standings in the West now. The Jazz are still in first place, and they are a game and a half up, one in the loss column, but a game and a half up on the Suns. And then the, uh, the Clippers are next. The Clippers are third, and they are three games back of the Jazz, game and a half behind the Suns. And then it's two and a half more games to the Nuggets. So there it is. They're the top four. Lakers uh, sitting in fifth place, but pretty comfortably. Portland just can't get it together. They're 3-7 and seven in their last 10. I think they've lost four in their last five. So whatever issues the Lakers are have, are having, it's not enough to drop to six. That's not going to happen. I think the Lakers are going to end up in the 4-5 series and if the Jazz hold on to the top spot, they're probably going to see the Lakers in the second round, assuming the Lakers beat the Nuggets. Jazz-Nuggets round two after the series we saw last year wouldn't be awful, even without Jamal Murray. We'll see if Jokic can uh, can go crazy and eliminate the Lakers because it does look like the Nuggets and Lakers are headed for that 4-5 series and, uh, and and headed for a first-round matchup. All right, DJ and PK, we're going to take a break. Still to come. Uh, we got a little college football for you. Well, actually, a little pro football. Uh, um, we got to talk NFL draft coming up. Although I do have a college football story, a uh, Steve Young, Zach Wilson story. I don't know if any of you saw this on TV. Uh, we'll get to that coming up. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 the zone. DJPK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by Dane Brugler, NFL Draft Analyst for The Athletic. Dane, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you doing today? Good. We are uh, constantly amazed by all the love being thrown, not just to the top two quarterbacks, not just to the local guy at BYU, but five quarterbacks at the top of the draft. And you can go through the history of the NFL draft, and you can find guys who... Came in in the first round and were totally worth a pick. And they were great for their team, and their team won a lot, in some cases won Super Bowls because of them. But you also see a bunch of busts up there. And at any point, do you step back, look big picture, and think, wow, if five of the first nine picks or whatever it turns out to be are, are first-round picks, there are some teams completely setting themselves up for bustville here because there's no way all these guys are going to work out. Yeah, you
2: know, and that's, That's what history tells us, you know, no matter how confident we are in these evaluations, uh, you know, history tells us that of these five quarterbacks, uh, at least two of them will not live up to expectations. And, you know, it's so much depends on landing spot. So much depends on development or lack thereof, you know, the coaching, the supporting cast, so uh, you know, it, it, it's something where you just, you know, the, all these quarterbacks are talented. There's no, there's no question about that. But when you go to the NFL, there's so much, so many more variables involved. First of all, just with college football, the NFL, two, two different sports. Um, and, and then when you're in a locker room with 30-year-old veterans who, you know, are talking about, uh, you know, their, uh, their contract situation, this and that. it's just, it, it's tough for some of these young guys to step into that type of role and and produce early on. So. It, 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 the, where they end up is going to hopefully you know it, it's going to be a good spot for them both personality wise and play wise. But yeah, like you said, I mean history tells us that uh, you know that some of these guys aren't going to work out. But if you're the team, you have to you have to take a chance. You know, at least I, I want to swing. Uh, I, I want my chance at bat. And you know if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But I'm going to bet on high end traits. I'm going to bet on guys with uh, you know a lot of the you know check the boxes and. Let the chips fall where they may. It's, a, it's, a, it's such a tough position to evaluate because there's just so many factors that go into, uh, you know, who's going to succeed and who's not at the next level.
3: And if we're going to go by history, uh, we're also going to find that there's plenty of quarterbacks who didn't go in the first round and end up being very good. And obviously, Wilson and Prescott come to mind here. And I'm sure if I went down rosters, I'd find somebody else. But those two come to me off the top of my head. Beyond these guys that are potential first round quarterbacks, who do you like that maybe could be what we would consider a sleeper?
2: Yeah, once we get outside the top five quarterbacks, one, to me, really stands out as being, okay, I can see this guy starting in the league for a long time. uh, And that's Davis Mills out of Stanford, uh, former five-star recruit out of high school, uh it really, it just comes down to two areas that you're worried with him. Uh, the left knee, which has been an issue for him since high school. And then the resume, only 11 career starts. And so, it, it, you, obviously, that comes down to the medicals. And it, as long as the training staff gives me two thumbs up saying, you know, he could re-injure it, but, you know, it's, it's stable right now. And, you know, there's, there's no long-term effects here. Then I'm feeling good about Davis Mills bringing him into my organization, developing him and seeing what we can have long-term. 6'4", 220 pounds. He might be the best middle-of-the-field thrower in this draft. Uh, he's a loose passer, uh, so he can move around a little bit. Not, uh, not afraid to test those small windows. A uh, very confident thrower. So with Davis Mill, I think there's a lot of traits that you're willing to bet on once you get to you know outside the first round. It just comes down to uh, you know making sure you're comfortable with the, the durability factor and then just uh, you know the the lack of resume, the fact that he's going to need some time before he's ready for NFL snaps.
0: How much, if any, stock do you put in the line of thinking that if you're the Niners and you have George Kittle, well, don't worry about drafting a quarterback. Go get Pitts. Those two together are going to make a lot of quarterbacks look really good. You buy any of that thought line of thought?
2: Uh, I mean, yes and no, because selfishly, I, I, I'm i here for it. I want to see it. You know, it would just be a fun from a you know football viewing perspective. That would be a ton of fun. But at the end of the day, I, I think, you know, you look at the 49ers uh, last year, you know, coming off a Super Bowl appearance and the inconsistency at quarterback. It just, you know, it was a deal breaker, and the 49ers weren't able to compete. So you have to get the quarterback right. And, you know, they, they traded all that draft capital to get up to number three, to draft the quarterback, and it'll be interesting to see which one. I think we're kind of still guessing, um, and I don't think this is a situation where the 49ers are smoke screening or being coy. I mean, they don't need to be because we know who the first two picks are going to be. At least we feel very, very strongly that Trevor Lawrence will be going to the Jacksonville Jaguars, Zach Wilson to the New York Jets. So for the 49ers, it's more about due diligence. Uh, they were at Trey Lance's Pro Day uh, the week prior uh, with Justin Fields the week prior, uh, with Matt Jones. And so they traded up to number three with a specific quarterback in mind. And then did anything happen these last three weeks to change your mind at all? I, I think they're just, they're keeping an open mind through the process. We don't know. And that's what we're kind of waiting to find out. Maybe we'll, you know, get some clues here over the final nine days, but the draft starts at number three and we're still kind of guessing who that's going to be. And that's going to create a, a domino effect because whoever, depending on who goes three, that's going to affect what the Falcons do at four. Whether they go quarterback, whether they go best non-quarterback, which we think is Kyle Pitts. Uh, do they trade out of there if the right quarterback's available? And we have a quarterback desperate team willing to uh, you know throw a lot of draft capital at Atlanta to get up to that number four pick. So a lot of intrigue, and it all revolves around what San Francisco does at number three.
3: How much stock do you think the NFL puts into college competition?
2: You know, it's all relative. Um, you know, because I think you you look at uh, you know teams playing in the SEC and uh, the talent they have around them. I mean, Justin Fields, uh, you know, having the talent that he had at Ohio State, Matt Jones, the talent that he had at Alabama. Yeah, they're facing better defenses, but they also have better talent around them. Uh, you look at Trey Lance, who, yeah, he faced FCS competition, but. He's not really playing with a lot of guys that have NFL future. Uh, you know, the left tackle has a future, uh, NFL future, and then maybe one of those wide receivers has a shot. But for the most part, you're playing with uh, guys that aren't aren't going to be professional football players. And, I mean, even Dak Wilson, you know, we look at, uh, you know, Brady Christensen has a chance to be a top 100 draft pick at left tackle, but Dax Milne's more of a late round prospect. Um, you know, the, the two guards, Herring and Hodge, and, maybe late-round prospects. So, you know, Zach Wilson did not face the high level of competition that, you know, you would see in the SEC or some other conferences. But at the same time, even though he's playing with a strong supporting cast, he's playing with a good run game, play with a strong offensive line, uh, you know, his targets were were good players. They're not, you know, NFL quality for the most part, NFL high-end players. And so I think it's all relative, and that, that goes into the thinking when you're evaluating these quarterbacks.
0: All right, so now, Dane, now we're just going to have you step right into it, okay? we got a lot of BYU and Utah fans listening. And BYU fans think the Jets are about to do the right thing. Zach's going to go have a ton of success and make them proud. And this is going to be great, and the Jets are going to break through. There's a long line of Ute fans listening right now who are pretty sure that He is uh, undersized. He's had injury issues, although he's healthy this year. He's going to get beat up in the NFL. He's going to be revealed because he didn't play elite competition this year. And plus, it's the Jets, and they're going to screw up around him. Who's right? Ute fans or Cougar (laughs) fans? How's this going to play out?
2: Well, I think just focusing on the player. Um, I'm a big Zach Wilson fan, and I've been bullish on that since the fall. Um, you know, I took a lot of heat in my first mock draft back in November. I put Wilson at number two, and people just went nuts. And, uh, but, I mean, here we are. I think it's become the, you know, accepted as that's what's going to happen. And I think he's just an easy player to like when you, you watch the off-platform throws, the natural accuracy, the way he can char- change his arm angles and not sacrifice velocity or ball placement. Um, he's a sharp kid. He's athletic. Uh you know there there things he needs to work on yeah absolutely he's 21 years old um you know in terms of escaping the pocket before he needs to or uh just just the way he you know reads certain defenses um, from certain alignments I mean, there there are certain things he needs to get better at but that's nothing that's you know uncommon for a true junior quarterback uh do you wish he were bigger yeah i i wish he was 65 and you know 230 and still moved the way he did but you know which this does not uh, realistic. Uh, you know, 6'2", 215 is decent size and, you know, good enough to to make it at the next level. Uh, you know, plenty of quarterbacks that size or even smaller have found success. So, um, you know, I, I, it's just being smart with your body and staying durable, that's something that's hard to predict. Um, going to the Jets where offensive line has not been a strength for that team, I think it's on the upswing. Makai Beckton at left tackles, one of the best young left tackles in the league. Uh, you know, they have five picks in the first three rounds. They're going to invest in the offensive line uh, more and more. Uh, and I think when you look at the Jets with a new head coach coming in, Robert Sala, um, you know, who's a players coach, um, you know, with the LaFleur offensive coordinator, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a system in a Shanahan mold, which fits uh, Zach Wilson very well. And, and the uh, general manager, Joe Douglas, in his second year, I think they're headed in the right direction. So as long as ownership doesn't get in the way, the Jets could be turning the page here. I don't think that's crazy to think that when you look at the general manager, the head coach, and the potential of Zach Wilson and the potential of this roster of what they're putting around him. So uh, I'm, I'm excited to see how this plays out uh, for both Wilson and the Jets because you know there's definitely a path to success when you break it all down on paper and how it could play out.
3: Yeah, let's hear it for Broadway, Zach, huh? Going forward, maybe that'll happen. <laughs> uh, you know, one, one of the things that we've seen is these these individual coaches, particularly at the quarterback position, been getting a lot of run. And John Beck's a former BYU mm-hmm. quarterback, and he's running these camps down in Southern California. He seems to be everywhere from going to pro days in Florida to being on podcasts. He talked about, I served him on a Peter King one where he talked about when he gets off the field mid-morning or late morning, early afternoon, whatever it is, he's got dozens and dozens of messages waiting for him. Uh, How much do you think that the NFL people are relying on these types of men who are involved in this training to help them with their selections?
1: I don't
2: know that they're relying necessarily, but it is a resource. Um, You know, because the NFL team, there's no such thing as too much information. You want to get all the relevant info and you know it, it could be tough because obviously you know quarterback coaches are a little biased you know how, how truthful are they really going to be with you about a player's strength and weaknesses and even like a player like John or a coach like John Beck who you know he's been through the process being a high-level college player and then being a pick, being in the NFL and he's coaching multiple quarterbacks in this class it's not like it's just one so it's multiple so is he going to feel comfortable really being honest about where, uh, you know, some of these guys need to improve, where their shortcomings are as players. Um, I, you know, that's where it gets a little tough. It's a little, and, and you know, it's, it, that happens at every school around the, around the country. Teams know which coaches are being honest with them and which are just going to pump up their players. And that's, that, that's part of it. And, you know, I don't, I don't know John Beck whether or not, you know, because he's not going to necessarily say that publicly, but how he talks with NFL teams, you know, it, it's that we just we're not sure. We're, we don't know that part of it, and that's something that NFL teams. If, you know, if they feel like he's being honest and he's willing to say, hey, this is where you know Justin Fields he needs to get better This 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 area, or he's not going to make it. Things like that. It, you know, then they're going to take that. They're going to you know take that into account and see if it matches up with what they're seeing as well. But you know, the quarterback position there's so many variables that go into success and failure at the NFL level. It's, it, it it's the hardest position to evaluate. So. The more information you can get from all these different resources, people that have spent time with the players, understand their psyche a little bit both on and off the field, you you take all that into account and try to figure it out, come to the best conclusion.
0: So I'm curious what you think the Patriots are going to do, if they're going to go with Cam Newton or if they're setting up another move here. I've seen plenty of speculation. I think they're 15, but I've seen people saying, oh, they can get to 10 if they want a quarterback and make a deal with the Cowboys. And if the five quarterbacks go in the top nine, A, does one of them slip one more spot to them? Or once you're 10, you can get to eight anyway and make another deal. What is Belichick doing? Does anybody have any idea? Or, you know, he's basically the, the CIA or FBI of the NFL and nobody knows.
2: Well, you know, I, I think that when you look at uh, the track record, they, Bill Belichick and his, you know, 25 years or so of being a head coach and, and, you know, a top decision maker for a team, his teams have only drafted a quarterback in the first two rounds once, and that was Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, and so it's just – when you think about it, though, he's had Tom Brady for, what, 20 of those years? So I don't know that necessarily is a big enough sample size for us to make a determination about whether or not he's going to take a quarterback early or whether or not he's going to be aggressive to get that quarterback. I, I think that he spent the last year uh, looking at that offense and how stagnant it could be at times. And, you know, they, they brought Cam Newton back as, I think that, you know, that's, that's your insurance. That's, you know, I, that that's probably the best we could do in terms of free agency, in terms of trades, uh, just bring Cam Newton back. And then, you know, we're going to draft a young guy, but you know, which young guy is it? it do they have, and, and it's also fair to point out that not all of these teams love all five quarterbacks, you know, Bill Belichick and the Patriots, they might love two of these guys or three of these guys, the Patriots or the Panthers at number eight, overall, once uh, it became clear in their minds that Lawrence was going one, Wilson was going two, they said, eh, we don't really love these other guys. We're going to go get Sam Darnold. And, you know, that's going to be part of our figure-it-out situation uh, at quarterback in Carolina. So not all these teams love all of these players. And the Patriots, it's hard to know. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. If the right player were to slip to maybe, say, seven in Detroit or eight in Carolina, nine Denver, I mean, that maybe we see a, a trade. And maybe not even just the Patriots. You know, Washington, some of these other teams. So it's going to be really interesting. You know, Quarterbacks, maybe one, two, three, four, which you've never seen before. And then where does that fifth quarterback land? Do we see a big trade-up? Which team does it? It's really going to be fascinating on draft lines.
0: Well, Dane, we appreciate the time and a few thoughts on the draft. It'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. Thanks for hopping on the show with us. Anytime. Take care, guys. Dane Brugler, you read him. He's the NFL draft analyst for The Athletic. There's Dane Brugler covering the NFL draft. Thanks to him for joining us. Um, I was watching – I was flicking around last night, and, you know, John Gruden for years did this – um, draft series and talk to quarterbacks in his quarterback room. And he's got all his charisma and he's in there grilling guys. And so when he goes back to the Raiders, ESPN loses that. So they got a new series, QB 21 or something like that. And it's a curb Herb Street, curb Herb Street uh, vehicle. And, you know, they can't sit in the room and watch film together. They got to get away from Gruden stick with the pandemic and all that. So everything's remote. So they, um, he interviewed Zach Wilson, and he brought Steve Young in. I came in the middle of it. I was just channel surfing when I found it. And um, Steve Young basically had a testimonial for how – I mean, Steve Young's all in. You know Steve's going to be positive about BY quarterback. I mean, he's not going to get up there and stamp his feet and say, no way, what's happening? This guy blows. If somebody's struggling, Steve's just going to be quiet. He's not going to go out and rip them. Um, so if he's going to say something, it's going to be positive. But i got to say, he is jumping in with both feet. He is really pumping Zach up, and you know you got to have the organization around you. You got to be good, and you got to do your thing, but you got to have talent around you. You got to have a good coach, um, good GM, good owner, all that kind of stuff. The Jets haven't really been known for that. But Steve doesn't mind, man. Steve thinks Zach is going to be successful, and he was just selling it. The funny thing in this is that they ran it; they ran a tease, and then they came back and talked about it. And Herb Street said to Zach Wilson, this is exactly what PK and I have talked about. He talked about the throw, the throw and the workout and the pro day and the indoor facility where Wilson fakes the handoff, sprints left, and then throws across his body deep down the middle of the field and back towards the far hash and just drops it in, just right down the elevator shaft, right into the receiver's hands, absolutely on the money. Now, there's no pass rush. There's no defense. There's no read. It's just him and one receiver, right? They're doing it against air, but it still looked really cool. And there were oohs and ahs in the building And the first time I saw it, I got him, in. I stopped. I'm like, wow, I don't think I've seen people make that throw. But they went all in on the throw, and and Herbstreit was laughing. He says, you got more run than you got off that throw than you got off any throw in any game. And they brought in Max Hall, and they talked about the whole thing about how they were trying to say, hey, he doesn't shy away from any challenges or doing any of the tough things. You know, it's 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 he's just throwing a receiver. So what's the hardest thing you can do? You know, throw across your body, throw deep, throw back to the middle of the field. Let's make it as impressive as possible. But it's funny seeing Max Hall get the run. Steve Young was on the show, man. It was just we'll take a quarterback from that decade, we'll take a quarterback from that decade. Where was Sarkeesian? I didn't I didn't see a quarterback from the nineties. Um, and I say Max Hall? I meant John Beck. Wrong guy. Uh, no, they talked to, I think it was John Beck, not to Max Hall. But still, the point is, they had a quarterback from that decade. Didn't have anyone from the 90s. Come on. All right, DJ and PK, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk uh, NBA, and we're going to talk Utah Jazz. The Jazz are playing the Rockets tonight. Uh, they had a win. They had to win easily. Andy Bailey, his thoughts on the race down the stretch and the Jazz and the Suns and the playoffs and how they all set up, and we'll talk with Andy next. Stay with us DJ and PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. The Davis Vision spring LASIK sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. Time to welcome in Andy Bailey, NBA analyst, writer for Bleacher Report, joining the show once again. Andy, welcome back. Thanks for having me, guys. I am curious your take on a lot of people's take on the Jazz, that while they're good, and no one doubts that they are good, what really separates them from multiple teams in the league is the fact that they have just been much healthier. Healthier than the Lakers, healthier than the Clippers, now that Jamal Murray's been hurt, healthier than the Nuggets, healthier than the Sixers and the Nets. Are you buying it?
4: Um, I think that's maybe fair to a degree, uh, what, what that ignores. And I, I haven't heard that as much maybe as you have. I've, I've certainly sort of seen that in the floating around in the ether, but Utah has been basically since what were they, they started three and three or something like that. Basically since then, they've been the best, the best team in the NBA. Um, and those guys that are, are out like LeBron and AD and, now, Jamal Murray, they didn't miss the entire season. Um, so it's not like Utah has suddenly caught up to a bunch of teams since the injuries happened and, and overtaken them. They've been steadily the top team in the league pretty much the entire season. Um, so I, I do think maybe there's a kernel of truth to that. Um, but I also think there's there's just sort of um, – a rush to find any way to sort of discount what the Jazz are doing. I, I think another part of it is people still don't think that they have stars, and they they just want to find some way to rationalize. I don't think this team is going to win at all, or you know, I don't I don't trust that they'll, you know, pass the Lakers, Clippers, whatever, in the playoffs. So they're just kind of looking for little nuggets here and there that can discount what they've done so far.
3: So we don't know the circumstances because of the uh, play-in or whatever you want to call it, the new formula version of the playoffs who the jazz would actually face in the first round but could you handicap the possibilities and who do you think that you would rank as most dangerous as far as who they might meet in the first round
4: well with the way stephen curry is playing right now i i would probably have to throw the warriors near the top if if not at the top for most dangerous um potential eight seed uh Utah you know, they they have a strong solid defense, but it's obviously anchored by Rudy Gobert. And I don't you know, Conley's a, a solid veteran defender who's typically in the right spot. Um but I don't I don't think they have a great option to guard Stephen Curry. Um you know, they they could throw Royce O'Neill at him or Joe angles at him. There's a bunch of different looks that they could give him, but right now it just looks like it it doesn't matter what's thrown at Stephen Curry. So he would obviously be a problem. Um John Morant is, is difficult too, but I think of the teams that are kind of in that mix. I, I guess I'll, I'll back up a little bit. The teams that I think are, are in the mix to wind up eighth are Portland, Dallas, Memphis, Golden State, and San Antonio. Of those, I think Golden State and Dallas are probably the two toughest matchups. Um, Memphis probably Memphis and San Antonio probably the least toughest, and the Portland somewhere in the middle. I, I keep waiting for Portland to. Fall off, and they have a little bit here recently. But I hesitate to to uh, doubt Damian Lillard. There are problems with all of those teams. This is is sort of an answer that's all over the place. Um, But that's just sort of the nature of the West. Every one of these teams has star players, um, with the with the possible exception of the Spurs. I know some people would probably argue that DeRozan is still a star, and he's certainly been great this season. Um, But there are problems up and down (laughs) that six through ten range. The Western Conference is just loaded as ever. But if I had to pick one that you really, really want to avoid, it's probably Curry, and then after that, maybe Luka Doncic.
0: So you bring up Curry, and he's hit ten three-pointers in four of his last five games, I think. And he's got six on the year, and there's only like five games where somebody's hit ten threes in a game in the whole rest of the league this year. It's off the charts. But he's not going to – you're not playing him now. It's a month to the playoffs, He's True. not going to keep this pace up for another month to get to the playoffs and then two weeks in a playoff series, is he?
4: <laughs> you wouldn't think that's possible. Um, but the way that he's playing right now, and I, I was just looking up some numbers this morning, and it's obviously not 10 threes per game. Um, but when you look at his numbers with James Wiseman or Kelly Oubre off the court, and it's maybe not fair to, to you know, throw Golden State struggles on those two guys. Um but I think what it is 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 when certain players are off and the ball is in Curry's hands more and, and he's more of that heliocentric type of a player or playmaker, um Utah's just or Utah. Golden State is just a lot better and so is Stephen Curry. I mean when, when he controls every possession, um he's just been lights out. I I think the numbers. I'm going to pull them up so I don't get them wrong. But when when has been off the floor this season, and a lot of this is influenced by the recent hot streak, but Curry's averaging 38 points, seven threes, and six assists per 75 possessions with a with a true shooting percentage around 70. Um, and Golden State is is wailing on teams in those minutes too. So he's he's going to be a nightmare whoever he plays, even if he calms down a little bit from what he's done on the last 10 or 11 games. Um, he, I, he he's a guy who I think could single-handedly win a series, I, I, potentially against just about anybody in the West. I mean, I would I would certainly pick the Jazz to win in five or six games over the Warriors. Um, but I you know I I wouldn't be shocked if Stephen Curry had four games where he was just completely unstoppable. Um, so so I think you make a good point. He's probably not going to be doing what he's doing now in in a month or month and a half or whatever. Um, but he's going to be ridiculously dangerous, assuming he even gets to eighth. I mean, like you said, we've got to play in tournaments still.
3: So you put out a tweet. It's says, always interesting to me when commentators and analysts you casually claim that Donovan Mitchell is Utah's best player. You're trying to make a point there, but I'm not exactly sure what the point is. Could you explain? Um, yeah, I mean,
4: to me, I think it's pretty clearly Rudy Gobert, um, who is not only the Jazz's best player, Player this season, but has been for five or six years now, um, and I think it's a general comment on, and hopefully it doesn't seem too much of a slight to Donovan Mitchell, but it's it's more of a comment on how good Rudy Gobert is and how he's he's just sort of not not necessarily ignored by the national media because he's obviously won a couple of Defensive Player of the Year awards, he's been All NBA, he's been an All Star. Um, but I'm going to go back to what I said earlier. A lot of commentators and analysts think the Jazz don't have a star, and it's easier to trust a guy like Kawhi Leonard or LeBron James in the playoffs because, oh, the Jazz don't have a top 10 to 15 player. Um, but in terms of impact, Rudy Gobert is absolutely a top 10 to 15 player. Um, and maybe this is a semantics argument. There, there's a debate between <laughs> is there a difference between best player and most impactful player. Um I, I don't think there is. I, I, I've heard the argument that it's different. and I think if you wanted to say Donovan Mitchell has more basketball skill than Rudy Gobert, um, that's that's probably impossible for me to argue against because um, he just he can do more things. But ultimately, I, I think what matters most to me is who moves the needle the most towards winning. And that's been Rudy Gobert, not just for the Jazz, but but he's one of the biggest needle movers, for lack of a better term, in the entire NBA. And he has been for half a decade. Um, you know, there are a couple people out there. I think John Hollinger is one of them who've actually said, you know, he deserves more recognition in the MVP race. Uh, he, he certainly won't win it and he may not get many votes, but he's he's a guy who could certainly earn a you know top three vote for MVP. I mean the Jazz are the best team in the league and like I said they've been the best team all season and I think Gilbert is, is pretty clearly the biggest reason for that.
0: Andy Bailey joining us NBA analyst and writer for Bleacher Report. So the Jazz play the Lakers twice and we see because of that we're following the Lakers a little close in all their media and we see the reports that uh Anthony Davis could literally be back for the next game. And if not, you know, he'll be back in a week. He seems very close. But the reports on LeBron that he's still weeks, plural, away, there aren't that many weeks left in the regular season. We're in the playoffs in four weeks. So is there enough uh, runway here for LeBron to get back into basketball shape and for the team to all get on the same page and be in a playoff groove? I mean, I know he's LeBron, but is he just going to conjure this up out of thin air?
4: Yeah, I, th- I think there's reason for some concern if you're a Lakers fan or, or you're in that organization. Um, I think the fallback is what you just said. LeBron is LeBron, and I think he's reached a point in his career where it's hard to it's hard to discount him um, until we've actually seen him falter, and he really hasn't since 2011. Um, and they've got you know, they've got a lot of chemistry to fall back on from last season's playoff run, and their defense is still you know pretty solid even without those two guys in there. So there's a lot going for them. Um, you know, I, I this has quieted down in the last couple of weeks because I think the Lakers without those two have been a little bit better than people expected. But if he really is out for, you know, two, three, four weeks pushing up against the playoffs, then I think the chances of them falling into that play-in mix are, if not great, at least they're bubbling back to the surface. Um and you know if they have LeBron and AD for a play-in tournament, you know whatever the format is, it's hard to imagine them losing two games, but that's a possibility. Um, and then if they, you know, if they wind up seventh or eighth, I it's it's a tough matchup for the Jazz, obviously. But I I think the Lakers would prefer to play the Nuggets without Jamal Murray than the Jazz. Um, so there's certainly <laughs> there's certainly cause for concern uh, among Lakers fans. I think I think they would. I'll be pretty confident in a series against the Jazz. Let's see if it wound up that way, um, but that's that would be a heck of a first round series, and I and I think you could make an argument that the Jazz are the better team.
3: So I am going to go on strike unless Donovan Mitchell gets first team All NBA. Is it a waste of time for me to think he's got a shot? <laughs>
4: um, <laughs> I, I would start working on your picket signs. Um, I th- there's just so many talented guards and, and I actually saw something really interesting about Mitchell. I wish I could remember who tweeted this because I, I would give him credit. Um, I think it may have been the guy who started basketball reference, but I can't, Justin Kubatko, I think is his name. But anyway, um, he posted something like players who average 25 points and five assists on the best, the team with the best record in the league traditionally have been the MVP. It's, it's only happened a handful of times. Um, and we have, to, we have to look at Mitchell's numbers in the context of what's happening this season. I mean, there, there's an offensive and a statistical explosion this season that's really <clears throat> unlike anything that I've ever seen covering the league. And, I've, you know, I've only been doing this for 10 years. Um, but I've, I've certainly spent a lot of time looking at the history of the league through assignments that I've had and things like that. Um, and this is very unusual. But, but all of this is to say that, you know, I, I'm a, you read that tweet I had earlier. And, again, I hope it doesn't sound like I'm discounting. Donovan Mitchell, um, but he he really is having a phenomenal season, and just in terms of round numbers, it is comparable to some MVP campaigns. And so I think there's an argument for him to be first team All NBA. Um, but you're 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 talking about guards that he's got to be put above, and you know what Stephen Curry's doing right now, what Luka Doncic has done for a lot of the season. And I don't, you know, maybe they can qualify him as a forward. I don't know. I, there's just so many good guards this season that he would have to leapfrog. I, I think you could make the argument, but I hope you've got some some spray paint and some signs that you could put
3: together for that. I do, man, and I, I'm going to start at your house.
0: <laughs> so there are plenty of people who will not vote for him and will justify it. And, and basically the line of thinking is Utah is the Milwaukee of the West. They're going to win a lot of games. It might even be fun to watch on TV, but when the going gets tough, the Bucs get going. (laughs) Right on out of the playoffs. And the same thing's going to happen to the Jazz. They're going to lose to the Lakers in the second round. There's going to be 24 hours of big fat I-told-you-sos before the rest of the NBA turns around to watch big boy basketball with the Lakers or the Clippers and the Nets and the Sixers. You would say what?
1: Well, first of all, um,
4: a lot of those takes and and i have felt this way for years really annoy me um because it's really easy to pick a team and say they're not going to win the championship and then come back and do i told you so later i mean there are 29 teams that are not going to win the championship and so a lot of analysts and, and other people can pound their chest about something like that and have a very high percentage chance. <laughs> to be right. And then, you know, on the, the off year that they're wrong or whatever, like the 2011 Mavericks or the 2004 Pistons, or, you know, we could probably pick a few other surprising championship teams over the years. Um, There's, there's never the mea culpa. (laughs) You know, I was, I was wrong. Maybe maybe there is occasionally, but you just don't see those as often. Um, You know, everybody doubts the team that hasn't done it until, they've done it. And I think maybe there's a little bit of fairness to that. I mean, there's sort of a subconscious part of me that thinks, yeah, it's easier to trust Kawhi Leonard in the playoff series or LeBron James in the playoff series, because we we've, we've seen it before. Um, we've experienced Kawhi Leonard take over an entire postseason like he did with the Raptors. Um, we've seen LeBron James in the, in the finals for however long it was in a row, nine, ten years, whatever, whatever that streak was. Um, so yeah, it's a little easier to discount the teams that haven't climbed all the way up the mountain yet, like the Jazz and the Bucks. Um, but I also think if you just look at things objectively, um, Utah is on pace to break the record for most threes made per game for a season. They're shooting close to forty percent from three. They've got they've got one of the best defenders of all time. They've got a guy who can take over a series, and Donovan Mitchell, as we saw against the. Nuggets last season, they obviously didn't win that series, but what Mitchell did was absurd. So you've got you know that guy that everybody kind of looks for in the playoffs, um, who could take over on offense. You've got veterans like Conley and Ingles. Um, there's depth, there's shooting, there's defense. I, I think there's a very strong case to be made that the Jazz are one of those teams that can buck the trend. And if you if you dig your heels in and say you know the Jazz are going to win, you have, you have a lot less. you you have a lot lower chance of being right than the people who can get on TV and say there's no chance the Jazz will win. Um, So it's it's a little bit tougher call. um, But I think to discount them outright and just say they have no chance is kind of ridiculous, frankly.
3: But then to go with the theory of you've got to do it before we believe you can do it, and there's only two players or two teams, and it's the Clippers and the Lakers then, right? Because Steph Curry doesn't have yeah, enough forces I mean, right now.
0: Durant, maybe the Nets, if he's healthy.
4: Yeah, and I'm starting to wonder about the Nets because um, <laughs> they just they can't seem to get all three guys going at the same time, and maybe they're just being abundantly cautious and, and everybody will be fine in the playoffs. Um, but you're right. I, I think the default is, you know, it's easy to pick the Clippers or the Lakers, and I think it's easy to, to justify those picks. Um but I I I really do believe that this season, and I can probably knock the nuggets off this. In fact, I, I think it's pretty safe to do so. But there are seven or eight teams that I think you could make a really good-faith argument that they could win it all. Um, there's a ton of parity in the league right now, I think more than some people realize. And there's, there's a lot of variance with how many threes that these teams shoot. Um, you know, you can go on a cold streak for – two weeks and be done, or you can go on a hot streak for a month, month and a half and win it all. Um, And I, you know, there's a lot of variance with teams around the league. And I think there's actually a little bit less with the jazz because they are a really consistent three point shooting team. Um, You know, guys like Ingalls and Conley and Mitchell have all been, you know, pretty good three point shooters for a while now. Bogdanovich is another one. Um, They've, they've got a lot of options Offensively, and I think they've got a great anchor in Gobert. So, I think their variance is is slightly less chaotic than than some of the other teams in the league. I, I do think they have a solid shot.
0: So load up the vans, everybody going to Wendover. Oh, never mind. Just grab your phone. You can bet on your phone. You have to drive an hour and a half. <laughs> Andy says it's yes, going to be okay. <laughs> or but, did I did I oversell that? <laughs> well, I. Uh
4: be okay is probably a good way to put it. I, I am increasingly every year becoming one of those analysts who hesitates to make predictions. Um, cause it's just, I mean, in the years when the golden state warriors had Durant and Curry, you know, full strength, it's easy to just say, Oh, let's chalk it up to the warriors. Um, when the season starts, but crazy stuff happens in the NBA every single season. Um, and I, you know, I don't think you'd be flushing your money down the toilet if you if you put some on the Jazz. Um, but like I said, there are just so many good teams that I could see making it all the way. I mean, you mentioned the Bucks earlier. I, I think it's too early to even discount them. Um, the Sixers have a dominant dominant big man in in Joel Embiid. Um, the Clippers, and Lakers, we've already talked about the Jazz. I, I'm I'm a little more hesitant with the Suns than some other people are, but they've got a a good you know modern roster with a veteran point guard who. Um, is certainly hungry right now. So there are are a lot of teams that you could put your money on. Um, If you're the gambling type, I I don't think the Jazz are a terrible bet, though.
0: Andy, we will leave it right there. Andy writes for Bleach Report, covers the uh, NBA as an analyst and writer for them. You can read his stuff there. Andy, we'll have you again on the show as the playoffs get closer. Thanks a lot for joining us today.
4: Sounds good.
1: Thanks for having me, guys.
0: There's Andy Bailey. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.
1: Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah! Hashtag Utah Jazz. Not at
5: all. I mean, I was just, you know, taking the shots that was there. I mean, whether I was hoping, knocking down the three, and going to the basket, finishing myself, or making plays for somebody else, just playing basketball.
0: That's Royce O'Neal talking about what he had to do to break out of his offensive slump. Not a lot of emotion there, PK. Basically, take the shots I'm supposed to, and they will fall. No overreaction. Didn't really hear us. Didn't hear his uh, pulse or anything changing. No adrenaline rush. Ah, I did this, I did that. They will come,
3: they will fall. I like it.
0: He is 6 of 15, 40% in his last three games. And before that, he'd had a stretch where he'd missed 15 in a row over five games. So, last three, well, it's only natural then. Yeah, last three have been a little different. Back yeah. to the 40% number that uh, everybody hopes to be shooting. You do that, if you shoot a lot of them and you make 40% of them, you're going to be in good shape.
3: What's a lot of them? Five a game is that a lot in your mind?
0: Taking a lot of shots, I think it depends on who you are. No, no. or making. I know, a- I
3: know, I know. I'm talking about for O'Neal though. What what is a yeah, lot? Yeah, I would say. I threes? would say
0: that. Uh, yeah, I would say if he's averaging four or five a game, that's probably a lot for him. I mean, okay. you know, the Conley, he has to wait for someone to leave him. The guys who are running the pick and roll have more say in, who gets them and when they get them, you can take them off the dribble and all that. But I mean, yeah, if you're taking 40 in a game, I would think most of the guys, you got probably six or seven guys that are going to be taking threes. And uh, you would think that Donovan Mitchell would take the most. And you'd probably expect, uh, you know, well, it doesn't always happen. But I think people want to see Ingles, Ingles, Conley, and Bogey be the, the three who are right behind him. Their numbers are probably higher. Maybe they're taking five to seven a game.
3: Four or five for O'Neal.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Niang doesn't play as many minutes. He probably shoots a lower number, too, I would think, just because of the minutes. Yeah,
3: the problem with Joe now, he can't go back. We've been saying this a thousand (laughs) times. But now, now, you can't go back.
0: Now. Fans and the media, we're not in practice. We're not in the film sessions. We don't know what's said. We probably see some stuff and get some, some wild thoughts in our head and say crazy things. But this time, PK, we've been right for years.
3: <laughs> yeah, you can't go back now, Joe. You can't just go like a, a, a one for three or something like that. You You've got to be an integral part because you're a talented ball player. So sorry, man. Forget it.
0: It's on you now. Well, I do think the one thing where the where it's not on Joe and it's on coaches and his teammates is that he can't get into the Royce O'Neal role. You know, there are guys who initiate the pick and roll and there are guys who go stand in the corner and they get their shots when people leave them. He does both, though. He does, and I think it's incumbent on the teammates and on Quinn Snyder to make sure that Joe's running a pretty good percentage of those pick and rolls. Because when he, when he goes to the corner, the opposite corner from Royce, and they stand there, now it's not up to them so much. I mean, there is that you pass up a shot, so that's on them. But if the guy never leaves him, the teammates are never going to throw him the ball, and he's going to be back in that role that drives you nuts, that drives Yach nuts, drives me nuts. So he's going to have to have the ball in his hands
3: okay fine whatever and, yep all right DJ You're the P- basketball mine and then I just sit back and just watch you dissect the game it, it, it's like a master in his craft it's beautiful
0: Thank you PK even though that wasn't very genuine
3: it is, I, it is. T- you just
0: love the game you can see it man I do love it I
3: mean it's it's right there with soccer when you just go I just sit back
0: the jazz and the Rockets. Tonight, six o'clock. So the pregame show will start at five o'clock, right here on the Zone Sports Network. The only person we're waiting to hear about their health is uh, Ilya Silva. He's got a hamstring issue, so we'll see if he's good to go or not. But uh, expecting to see everybody else, and they hopefully we'll see it. We'll see that whole theory about playing the twenty-five or uh, thirty minutes and playing fewer minutes because you've you've built a big lead. The Rockets have been blown out in two of the last three games. The one they. Weren't they one, and that's Orlando, and they're no good. They have gutted their team at the trade deadline. But uh, the Heat blew them out. The Nuggets blew them out. Why shouldn't the Jazz blow them out, too? DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA.
1: Rose slings it. Bullock funnels. Barron right corner three. Knocks it down. Barron with six threes in the game and the Knicks lead by ten. Irving left of the lane. Stops. Fumble it. Gets it back in traffic. Puts it in off the window along the baseline. How did he do it? Towns with it up top here. Thought about a three. Now he lets fly. Yeah! An 11 point lead with 339 left. George against Nasir Little now on the switch. Five to shoot. George
0: crossover. George steps it back. He'll try the left wing three over Little. It goes! The moon ball for Paul George, and he buries it. Paul George coming up big. Kawhi Leonard was out. Sore foot, and apparently he's going to be out for at least a week. They're saying it's more precautionary than anything. Who knows if they're telling us the truth there, but we'll go with that. And Paul George stepped up with 33 points, 11 rebounds, and PK 8 points in the last two minutes. Six points in the final minute on the Clippers' last three possessions, including two free throws with 5, 4.8 seconds left that tied the game and then won the game. That was big time down the stretch from Paul George.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been saying it for weeks, man. He's just killing it right now.
0: Will it continue in the playoffs? Well, we'll find out. Clippers beat the Blazers, though. And as much as we're looking at the Suns and wondering if they can catch the Jazz and how will they do getting through this road trip. Are they going to lose a couple times? The Clippers are probably thinking all those same things. They're only a game and a half behind the Suns, so they've still got a chance to get to the two seed. And if those two meet in the second round, they'd have the home court. So see if the Clippers can roll down the stretch here without Kawhi Leonard. The other highlight you heard there, the Jazz. next couple of opponents after the Rockets tonight, they'll be playing the Timberwolves twice and the Kings once. And the Timberwolves beat the Kings 134-120. Carl Anthony Towns, 26 points and 18 boards. You figure he's the next guy in a bad team that's going to move somewhere that the whole league is going to be chasing with their cap space.
3: I don't know what's in his mind, what's in his heart, so I can't answer that. I mean, if you just go on what we would assume, a team's been bad. So, yeah, they've had... Garnett and Marbury and Kevin Love and, and uh, he's just the latest I guess so if you go by what we think might happen but I can't answer what he feels what he thinks.
0: Kyrie Irving 32 points eight assists leading Brooklyn to that win over the New Orleans Pelicans. Brooklyn Nets guard James Harden is out indefinitely he had a setback with his hamstring injury during an on-court rehab session Back to square one. That's the expression Steve Nash, the Nets coach, used. We'll rehabilitate him and get him back whenever we can, and who knows when that will be. He had an MRI on his hamstring after he quote-unquote felt it go. So that sounds bad. And the Denver Nuggets picked up free agent Austin Rivers on a 10-day contract. He's 28 years old. He started the season with the Knicks. Didn't play very well for them and got let go. Had one big game against the Jazz. Uh, was traded to Oklahoma City at the trade deadline by the Knicks and then subsequently waived by the Thunder. He would be eligible on Denver's playoff roster if he sticks for the rest of the season. DJ and PK
1: Hashtag #NFL If you watch Steph Curry
3: shoot the ball, it's just like you just you just go wow. I like kiss his it's just just to sit there and watch this guy shoot a basketball. Well, that's how you feel when you watch Trevor throw a football. When you get to see him live and you get to see him move, you just go, "Wow!" I mean, it's just—it's just different. He's a—he's a, a face
0: of a franchise guy. That's Dabo Sweeney, the Clemson coach, pumping up his guy Trevor Lawrence and comparing him to Steph Curry. Takes your breath away, PK. It's so effortless.
3: Well, he says, "You go, wow." on Lawrence's throwing, I go wow on Sweeney's comparison.
0: <laughs> Stiff Curry in the hottest stretch of a Hall of Fame career. Yeah. Pretty much putting in 10 three-pointers every time he steps on the court here over the last couple of weeks. Health updates, Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow said he is on track to start the 2021 season after undergoing reconstructive knee surgery to repair the ACL and MCL in his left knee. After getting injured in November, flipping through Twitter and came up on a way too close photo of the scar on his knee. I don't know who thought we needed to see the scar on his knee that up close. Holy cow. Push in a little more.
3: Well, obviously I want the kid to be healthy because I thought he showed some, uh, what was it, Cleveland that he got hurt? Is out the game, if I remember. And he looked good up until then. He looked really good at times, especially when you factor in as a rookie so Cincinnati might have something, but you got to have your health, of course.
0: Yep, and that division could be uh, loaded with quarterbacks—three young ones—and then Roethlisberger near the end. But if he's good to go, then there could be a lot of, a lot of shootouts, a lot of good games with, uh, with quarterbacks taking their teams up and down the field in the AFC North. Cincinnati, Cleveland, and Baltimore could be set at quarterback for a while, the way things are trending. But like you said, you got to have your health. And staying in the AFC North, the Steelers. Give head coach Mike Tomlin a three-year contract extension that'll run through the 2024 season. Tomlin, who seems like he's been coaching there forever, is still only 49 years old. He's won about two-thirds of his games over the 14 years he's been with the Steelers. He's got a Super Bowl title and a second trip to the Super Bowl that ended in defeat. So it's a pretty good run here, and uh, he he could be gone for another – he could only be halfway through this easily. 14 years, another 14, he'd still be in his early 60s. Yeah, I
3: doubt he would coach there 28 years, but I don't know that. I do know if he fulfills this deal, which we all assume he would, that would put over a 56-year span, the Steelers having three head coaches.
0: If you're going to do it anywhere, you do it with the Steelers. They're as patient with coaches as uh, the Jazz, right? Any other franchises you'd put on that level?
3: Well... I, I I have to think about that. My, my thought was that they, they demand the patience, and I don't know if that patience is necessarily required because the three that they've had have been really
0: good. True story. Raiders owner Mark Davis reacting to widespread criticism of a tweet sent from the team's Twitter account that read, I can breathe for 2021 after former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin was Convicted of murdering George Floyd yesterday, he explained last night the Post was his idea. He does not plan to delete it. Davis said he meant no disrespect to Floyd's family with the tweet and said he took the lead from Floyd's brother, who said, following the verdict, today we are able to breathe again. Davis said, I felt that was a powerful statement.
3: Well, he's the owner, so he doesn't really have to answer to anybody. Yeah. And, and certainly in the Raiders organization. And, of course, his father was in front of the game and hiring minorities all over the place with yep. Art Shell and Flores and I'm sure others, but those two obviously come to mind. So I think he's going to be okay there. It looks like in his heart he heard that statement, what well, I can breathe or we can breathe again. I think that was something like what you just said. And then he felt like that was the appropriate thing to say. You can buy, at least I can, what do I know, but you can buy his logic of thinking, yeah. and obviously George Floyd can't breathe because he's dead, so I get the initial, like, well, what the heck. Yeah, why, well, do, then you, when you listen why to, do you get to say that? When you to listen to that, him experience right. it, when right. you listen to him and the experience that he was thinking at the moment, at least to me, but what do I know? I'm, I'm a white guy, so yeah. and I, I'm a I, racist, according to some people. But it seems to me it makes sense.
0: I think the same thing. I think the thing that if he had it to do over again, I would advise him just change the pronouns. You know, I, you made it yours when it was we and it was the family. Um, I'm I'm not going to advise him to do anything.
1: Who am I to advise Davis what to do?
0: DJ and PK.
1: Hashtag Major League Baseball. The pitch. Swing and a high drive into left field. It is way back. It is gone. Xander's first home run gives the Red Sox a 3-1.
0: It's going to be up to Corey Seager with two on and two out. Still scoreless, top of the third in it. First ball swinging, grounds it up the middle. Scoreless no more as Pollock comes in. Pitch to Krohn, hit well to left field. Got a chance, gone! Touch of all time for the first time as a Rocky for C.J. Krohn. He busts it wide open. <laughs> Rockies calls, PK. You love Rocky's calls.
3: I don't know about the radio guys. I have not. I've never listened to them, so I can't speak to them.
0: CJ Cron had five RBI. The Rockies beat the Astros six to two. The final score as he busts it wide open. You know, if you if you want to go somewhere and uh, you know you're moving around in your career and, and you hit home runs, always take a chance on Colorado. It might help you out. Staying in the NL West. Brewers beat the Padres six to nothing. The Giants win again 10-7. And the Dodgers beat the Mariners 1 0. That game, PK, was a little short on the old hits. You like pitchers' duels. That was your it was game. Three. Yeah, two three. And one. Three hits. The Dodgers got two. Yeah. A double. I think they moved them over with an out, and then they got a single. And that was it. Those were the two hits. And meanwhile, they one hit the Mariners.
3: Yeah, that was on uh, MLB in the afternoon, late afternoon, so I watched a lot of that game. And just for perspective on how good the Giants are, or the Giants, the Dodgers, Urias, he is their uh, fourth starter. And he struck out 11. (laughs) I don't think he walked anybody. And he gave up one hit in seven innings. And he's your number four.
0: That might explain why the Dodgers are 14-4 and and two and a half games up on the Giants and four and a half up on the Padres.
3: Yeah. Nice number four starter.
0: So, more impressive start here. Set the Dodgers aside because everyone thought they'd be really good. But the Red Sox, who won again, heard the highlight there. They are 12-6. I'm going and six. the A's. The Giants 11-6, and six, the A's at 11-7. and seven. Oakland's the one that's got you, huh?
3: Well, because they lost six or seven to begin with.
0: They did. They were in a big hole early on.
3: And it looked like uh, would have been desperate if Steinbrenner would have owed them in the '70s and '80s. He would have fired Bob Melvin <laughs> and and brought back Bob Lemon.
0: They've got the longest winning streak in baseball at ten straight wins. Tampa Bay next at five in a row. So. I think it's hard. It's really
3: hard to win ten in a row in baseball. I think you can. I think it's easier to win ten in a row in basketball because momentum extends as far as the starting pitcher. And so you're going through the rotation at least twice. And uh, who knows? Uh, and, and, and really starting pitching, that's extremely important. But pitching in, in a hole is really important because hardly anybody goes more than five or six now.
0: Leaders from Major League Baseball and the Players Association met yesterday for the first official negotiating season, session a little more than six months before the sports collective bargaining agreement lapses. The long-anticipated meeting between the sides marked the first foray into what many fear in the sport could be a contentious and protracted negotiation with the possibility of a work stoppage upon the December 1 expiration of the current deal. So, let the countdown begin.
3: Okay, well, I'll just fire up the Korean Baseball League again, if that's what it takes.
0: What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There is no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. John Beck, quarterback coach at 3 D QB, worked with Zach Wilson. He's a former BYU quarterback himself. He will join us coming up at 8 o'clock. Tim Lacombe, Jazz Radio Studio Pre-Half and Post-Game Analyst will join us at 8.30. The question of the day is coming up next. Stay with us.
6: <laughs> number one Because you number one
1: and the Zone Sports Network.
0: Hot Takes or Toast brought to you by Jerry Seiner Cadillac. Check out the bold new lineup at Jerry Seiner Cadillac. It is definitely not your grandpa's Cadillac. Question of the day. The PGA Tour will give $40 million in annual bonuses to players based on their likability and fan engagement. Should pro and college sports follow suit? How do you determine fan engagement, PK? Is that social media or is that how many post-round autograph sessions you uh, are willing to engage in? I don't know. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Likeability, I guess they could go out there and and do surveys and uh, find out who the most likable players are. I, I think people really like Phil.
3: Does it need to be done in a team sport where contracts, at least at the moment, are guaranteed? Whereas in the PGA Tour, the only way you win in in the PGA, now there's other events around the world that they give you appearance fees, but in the PGA, that's not the case. You are uh, getting paid if you win or depending on where you place in the standings. So they're overcoming that by having basically appearance fees, just calling it a different thing. Whereas in the team sports, you know, you're getting that money whether you win, lose, or suck, or great, or what have you.
0: I could see where some owners might be in favor of that. Hey, I need the, the players uh, out there pumping up the team. You know, maybe it's a team that is, uh, you know, they're they're the junior partner in a crowded market, and they need to be out there. You know, I, I think that in L.A., the Dodgers and Lakers can open the doors, and, and they're just such a part of the fabric of the community. People are going to show up. But if you're the Rams and you just moved to town or you're the Clippers and you've always been kind of, you know, people have joked about the JV, I guess people out there really selling it, you know, that might that might make a difference and owners might be into that to a degree. Uh, well, if you win and you open the doors, people will come. But while you're building it up, I mean, you're right. If you get on a roll like the Patriots have been on, that place is going to be packed. But I can see across the league, you know, if you're sitting around a league meeting, you'd be sitting there saying, well, only one of us can ho- hoist the trophy. What are the other 29 NBA teams, the other 31 NFL teams or whatever? Hey, We've got to be out there selling it because somebody's going to have to go 8-8. Eight and eight. Well, I guess in a 17-game season now, somebody's going to have to go 9-8. and eight.
3: Yeah, I'm not so sure about the pro sports, because they're already getting the money. Mm -hmm. I would go more for the college.
0: I think in the college, I just read a story about this, I think it was in The Athletic uh, yesterday, that... It was buried in a story about the Pac-12 and uh, what does the Pac-12 got to do to get it rolling in football? You know, they've been down in basketball, but they just had a really good NCAA tournament. How do they redo that in football? So they're going through, and it was a long story. It was a long list of stuff. But one thing that was in the story was that this is what name, image, and likeness is going to be and that it could benefit the Pac-12 with people playing in big markets, especially the kids who get to play for USC and UCLA, that social media, being an influencer, there are a lot of companies who will pay you for that. And it is worth it to them to get young people whose, whose habits aren't formed yet and they don't you know, necessarily aren't attached to a brand or a product or whatever and get them to try it. And there are a lot of people in L.A., well, everywhere, but especially in L.A., making money as influencers. The Kardashians would probably be the most famous. Uh, but there's plenty of people doing it. So for college sports, although that isn't exactly what you're talking about with the PGA Tour, you know, depending on where this goes with name, image, and likability, it would be pretty similar. You know, you, you if you're likable and you're engaged with fans, then you're much more likely to be an influencer and people will write big checks for that kind of stuff.
3: Yeah, but that has little to do with the school, though.
0: You're right. It's a third party.
3: And, and I don't know that uh, market size is going to matter, uh, I mean, because under the, that theory, Oregon is going to drift away. Yeah, I don't see it.
0: Yeah, like, Oregon. Not, as long as Oregon's got Nike you know, money.
3: Right. He's not going to allow it. So um, money's money, and it, the, the, I don't know the size of the market matters, because every market has clients and advertising and so forth and businesses and whatnot. So all that stuff sort of flushes out. Uh, but I'm talking about what the school should do. Uh, because just this cost of living thing you just throw out there and, and everybody gets the same, it doesn't really seem to make sense. That's not what capitalism is about. That's what your guy Bernie Sanders is about. But it's not the, 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 it's not the, the way of the football planet.
0: player who can fill the Rose Bowl, which was looking pretty empty before the pandemic hit, would be worth a lot to UCLA.
3: Yeah, and any team. I, mean, I, yeah, I I don't really care what they do down here, uh, down there. It's more of what we what we've got here. Uh, sure, the, the BYU a Taysom Hill. I mean, here's for for BYU. You've got to be really good, and so if, it's two two things. And if you're a big time, I hesitate to use it because I don't know what I don't go around judging people's worthiness or faithfulness. But it seemed on appearances that Taysom Hill was exactly what the LDS church was looking for in a, a football player, you know, served the mission and just uh, did all the right things and uh, married in the faith, blah, 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 blah. And BYU fans, who a lar- obviously a large portion of them are LDS, they really, uh, I I don't want to say get off on that because that's flippant, but they really get excited about that. So that's one, and then let's call it like it is, too. When you get the the black guy who traditionally at BYU, uh, until they meet uh, a uh, classmate, is going to be non-LDS. And they love that, too, because that means they accept us. They like us. So the Jamal Williams's of the world. Uh, he's one of us, and he continues to wear BYU. See, we're, we're cool, too. We're pe- People, uh, we're not that weird. We're not that strange. Look at Jamal Williams. He, he came here, and, and he was there the whole time. So those two types, they ought to be given something because people are going, all those 60-some thousand, are going to see those two guys. And then they're going to get as much as the reserve fill-in-the-blank kid. That doesn't really make a lot of sense.
0: No, and I think with uh, you know, while it has been um, a level playing field and scholarships for all, and then the the you know the walking around money for everybody, it seems like with the name, image, and likeness, now it's not coming from the school, it's coming from a third party, but it's definitely going to create haves and have-nots, and it'll be raw naked capitalism. And if you can put people at the car dealership or get people to buy whatever new product or sample whatever new website. There'll be something there for you. What
3: do you mean it's going to create the haves and the have-nots?
0: There'll be athletes who get it, and there'll be athletes who won't. You'll be in the weight room, and jealousy is a human emotion, and there'll be somebody-you know, there'll be a couple guys talking who don't, who are, you know, backup whatevers, and they'll be looking over there at two guys who are stars who are rolling in it.
3: So we're giving them the training for the real world? <laughs> a
0: little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. So what's wrong with that? And 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 you can't really uh, underestimate for some of these schools that are uh, struggling for money. You know, the player who could really go out there and fill the football stadium or the basketball arena—that's, I mean, do the price of a ticket times another, you know, five, ten, fifteen thousand seats. That that's that's a lot of money. So yeah. it it would be worth it to the school. I mean, you could just you know. Grab your phone, tap on the calculator, and know how much money people are moving pretty quickly.
3: Yeah, well, yeah, it's it's obvious, and it's, that's who people are coming to, to see, and we, we see it with the Taysom Hill. I mean, when he had a three-yard run, the Cougar fandom online would go crazy. He's doing it at the NFL. Look at him, and that's great. I mean, he's he's your guy, and we saw it obviously with Steve Young. When he was doing his thing at, at such a high level, the, the BYU fans just absolutely loved it, and we—I think we just saw it with some Ute fans. They took a lot of pride in Alex Smith,
6: mm-hmm.
3: and when he retired it was a day or two ago, and and that they felt like okay, he's he's what Utah stood for, and he donated what money to the weight room, yep. to the academic center, whatever it is. There's Alex Smith, whatever, and so they get excited about that. He's our guy, uh, so and he was their guy when he was sensational in the 2004 season, right? So, yeah, so somebody in the weight room is not going to make as much money as... This is all real-world stuff. And we hear in the colleges, oh, the coaches make more and the players don't, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Well, I mean, that's the real world. The boss makes more in the real world, too. Uh, the, The guy who owns the team... Uh, this this Mark Davis thing with uh, I can breathe again or whatever he tweeted out. He's the owner, so he can do it, and and he answered it. And no one's going to be talking about it tomorrow. <laughs> but if it was some lower person and the owner didn't like it, you're out of here. If he felt there was political pressure, I'll sacrifice him and look at me, aren't I? All that. And so, yeah, the, if we junior high exists. In junior high, and then it stops at the eighth <laughs> <end> grade. <laughs> not everybody gets a trophy in the real world, so that's why not start with this? Because this is college is a big business here. I mean, you just look at all these the, in college basketball. College basketball is just the sleaziest thing ever. I mean, you get the these coaches. Look at Utah State; they lose their coach, and now they get two guys. He goes to Utah and two guys who you cheered for big time as, as the Aggies last year. Scotty G talking about those guys the, and as they're putting together an NCAA season, and then the coach leaves and the two guys follow him out the door. Well, then they bring in a coach from Baltimore and then we got Baltimore guys following Odom out the door. <laughs> I mean, so when you when you change coaches, you pretty much can guarantee there Changing goes your cars. roster too. I mean, and, and we're, we get all those are our guys. Well, they're in fact, they're worse than the pros now in terms of how you talk about, used to say, rooting for laundry mm-hmm. and how that's what it was at the pro ranks. And you move around, and if your favorite player got traded, especially if you were a kid, I can remember going to high school and a friend of mine. Uh, loved Bobby Mercer. Bobby Mercer was his guy, right? And he was a back East kid who grew up in Connecticut and then moved out to Arizona. And so then Mercer gets traded from the Yankees. The kid was devastated, man. (laughs) And even I can remember thinking to myself, what would you expect, man? They they, they make their team better, and that's the way it goes. But just remember the kid being devastated that his hero on his team was traded. And, and we've seen that from, from time to time. You know, it happens. Or guys leave. Well, and then we rolled with it. But now it's infiltrating the college basketball to where don't even think about trying to evaluate a team until September when school starts. Because at that point, then, you'll know what the roster is. So if you're going to operate like that, especially in basketball, when it's obviously 100% easy to identify who the star is, who people are coming to see, who the fans latch on to. Yeah, let them have it, man. School should give whom we really haven't had a, a big-time singular star here in, in in a while. I mean, you got to have a good team, too. Allen was really good for the Utes, and what would he do? He's going to go to Texas now. Mm-hmm. But the team wasn't that good, so it didn't really matter as much. Go, But go back to Jimmer. Um, probably the best, most recent example, unless I'm missing somebody. Uh, what Sam, was, Mer- Sam Merrill, to an extent, at Utah
0: State, sure, yeah, I'll go with but, that. but Jimmer doing phone interviews, phoners with SportsCenter as soon as the game ended. Yeah. I mean, yeah. They're like, yeah. hey, Jimmer's going to be here in just a second, but right now he's talking to ESPN and be on a phone. And, like, they didn't even, now I guess it'd be, you know, they'd, they'd Zoom him. But then it was kind of like, well, we'll just roll video of the 40 points he scored and we'll let this guy talk on the phone. It was, technically, it was low-end TV, but celebrity and star power matters. So, well, technically it's not the best thing, but the whole country wants to hear from this guy. Who is this kid and what oh, is Oh, yeah, he used doing? to listen
3: to PTI the next day to see what they would say about him. Yeah. Yeah. And and his family had financial struggles, as we understand it. Yep. Well, BYU just I mean, they made a ton off of that kid, and he was there's there's a picture I can recall. He's doing, I think, a uh, a press row interview, probably with uh, 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 Rebell and Duran after the game, and the crowd is right on top of him. And so it's the it's pictures from above, so it's probably ten rows, fifteen rows up, and it's looking down, and the entire court is humanity. Pressed up right against Jimmer's, he's got the headsets on, and it looks like he's doing a. Maybe it's something else. I assume it was post game for their, for uh, Greg and Mark.
0: I believe it was the San Diego State game. When they...
3: Talking about that uh, performance in that game and all that stuff, and and that crowd shot, which is now over ten years ago, is still stuck in my mind. It's out there somewhere. I'm sure you can find it, and to think that he's getting the same scholarship as some other guy. That's kind of ridiculous in that way. I mean, he should have been getting thousands of dollars to use at his discretion. If he wanted to use it for himself or give to his parents or whatever he wanted to do, it's up to him. But that that's what I'm talking about, that they should be doing this. I mean, the colleges, might want to look at that too.
0: Well, I think that they're really uncomfortable with that. And because it'll be so easy to move the money through a third party, I think that's just what they're going to do. And it doesn't mean that they won't get to that eventually. Uh, but everything with college sports seems to move so slowly but you know I, I can see where if you align yourself if you're if you're in a in a city where there's some businesses who can really benefit or if you got a booster you know the name image and likeness for Oregon if this influencing thing is going to take off which is really about you know the the public and engagement going back to the original question about the PGA tour I mean, they want to they keep a, a kid one more year at Oregon who's a, a star football or basketball player. Hook him up with a contract with Nike and have him sell some shoes. I mean, with name, image, and likeness, can Zion Williamson in college have his own line of shoes? Yeah, and, and then Nike tells him, well, you can have your own line of shoes if you come to Oregon. <laughs> How's the NCAA going to police that? I mean, this is what made people Who nervous. Who cares if they're but gonna it,
1: police
3: it? But
0: it's going to happen. Well, why do they need to police it? Tell the NCAA GTFO. Well, I know, but that's what they've been saying for, I don't know how long we've been talking about this, a decade?
3: Who's they? I mean, I, who
0: cares what they think?
3: Well, they so- make the rules.
0: I mean, this is what the NCAA, I mean, Emmert and whatever other bureaucrats in the NCAA, and they've been dragging their feet on this idea that's been out there for a while. So? <laughs> well, that's Are why he- it hasn't happened. I mean, that's... It seems like it's about to happen. I think it's going to kick in for next year. Can't promise you that. Uh, this, but the school should be
3: able to do it. I mean, I don't need the NCAA approval. Go ahead and break off then. I mean, have Jimmer before after the game. He's going to be up on the concourse signing autographs and taking pictures. 20 bucks a pop. Mhm. The school keeps uh, 10, Jimmer keeps 10. Have at it, man. Let's break this thing wide open.
0: DJ and PK, the PGA Tour is going there. They're going to be paying the, uh, the bonuses. It's a little different deal because on the tour, there's no, there's no home team, right? You can get loyalty to a brand, and if you win, you're going to fill the place up. Uh, the tour is a little different. and I don't know. Will the bonuses mean that much to these guys who've got endorsement money rolling in guaranteed? Money means every, something to everybody. Get out of town. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 the zone. Now let's get this party started. Uh
1: this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network.
6: Play-by-play voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke. What Joe's doing is historic. You take, I think at five threes only, Kyle Korver has ever had a better shooting season in the history of the league, which was interestingly on that 60-win Hawks team that the Jazz get compared to the most. I have a statistic I call points gained, which is you take the players' possessions or scoring opportunities in a night, comparing to what an average player would do with those. Steph's obviously number one in the league. Joe's the seventh most possibly in impactful offensive player in the NBA. The league still doesn't quite understand the value of 50% from free. Like, it's, it's a crazy number. It's game-changing, and it's why we win. I can make a pretty good argument Jalen Ingles is our best offensive player this year.
1: Hanson Scotting. weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone, in the Zone Sports Network.
0: Get your foursome together and sign up today for the Dyslexia Center of Utah Charity Golf Tournament. Join the fun May 13th at Cedar Hills Golf Course. 100% of the proceeds go to the Dyslexia Center Scholarship Fund. Spaces is limited. Find out more at dyslexiacenterofutah.org. PK tonight the Jazz play the Rockets. We love competition, we thrive on competition. I do not expect much competition tonight. Expect the Jazz to mm. win convincingly, but you already made a noise because you'll argue with me about anything. No, Convince me otherwise. NBA.
3: You never know, man. It's the NBA, uh, and uh, we just—we uh, we had uh, Andy Bailey on in the six o'clock hour. He's talking about parity in the league, and, and parity is a debatable issue, right? Uh, What what, what really is parity? Because we we think we have parity this year, but do we really? You know, if it's the Lakers in the end, did we really have parity? Or do we have it while those guys are out? Because I forget who we were talking to, but you made the point, and you've made it multiple times, and there's a lot of validity into it. We don't know to the extent, but the question you asked the guest was, how much of these great records by Phoenix and the Jazz are attributed to the fact that Kawhi Leonard seems to be resting every other week, Mm -hmm. he's out now, and we know about the high-profile injuries to the Lakers, right? LeBron is still the ultimate superstar, and if he goes down, it's major news. LeBron walks out the door, it's major news. (laughs) So uh, with him being out, how much is that leading? Well, probably to a degree... Uh, But at the same time, you know you're only playing those teams just a small handful of times. So uh, one against another, that doesn't really have that much uh, impact because you're not you only play the Lakers three times, right? Um, But the Lakers clearly would be better if they had those two playing. So we think that there's some form of parity. But is there really? Now that's at the top end. The bottom end, I think that I'm I'm more comfortable saying that just about every team has players on their team that I could watch, and I and I'm, I at least at least mildly. Uh, I'm not I don't spend a lot of time watching the Rockets, but obviously I will tonight because they're playing the Jazz, right? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but I see their scores. I look at their box scores. I see a Christian Wood seems like a developing player. So the point I'm making is I wonder if there's parity at the top. Time will tell because if the Lakers roll in the playoffs, then no, there wasn't. Your point being was it would have been 100% spot on. They rolled because of the fact of uh, uh, the other teams had good regular season records because the, the, the stud team had their in, injured guys. At the bottom level, though, I could argue parity among the crappy teams I don't know if that's the right way to phrase it, but what I'm trying to say is that each of these teams down at the bottom have players that I like to that I could watch and if they get going and you're not going, well then you got a chance to lose, they got a chance to win. Probably not going to happen, but I wouldn't mark it down as like a 95% chance that the Jazz can roll tonight. That's a uh, long-winded way to say all that.
0: All right, Tim Lacombe, Jazz Radio Studio pre-half and post-game analyst, will join us at 8.30. But next, it's football. John Beck, QB coach at 3 D QB, working with Zach Wilson, a former BYU quarterback himself. He'll join us next to talk NFL Draft and Zach's prospects. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. Join Hanson, Scotty G, and The Big Show, Friday. They'll be at the warehouse from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom. Time now to welcome in John Beck, the former BYU quarterback, now a QB coach, training the next generation at 3D QB, and he's worked with Zach Wilson. John, good morning. Welcome back to the show. What's going on, guys? Well, I'm curious about many things, and obviously we have to talk NFL draft and the five quarterbacks at the top and and your work with uh, with Zach Wilson, but I'm curious personally first. If I'd gone 25 years ago to 14 year old John Beck and told him that 39 year old John Beck, what would have happened to him over the next 25 years and what he's doing now? What would 14 year old John Beck have thought and said?
5: He'd have said, no way, because 39 year old John Beck is going to still be playing in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs>
0: You were on the Tom Brady path. <laughs>
5: that was the plan, but uh, yeah. life sometimes doesn't go as you plan. But I'm super grateful for the thing that I do now. I love working with quarterbacks. I love helping mentor these young guys. I feel like, uh, you know, life sometimes is about how you can use the, the, the path that you had to travel. How can you use the experiences you gained to help others? And I, I think that's one of the biggest parts I enjoy about my job now.
3: So all these guys, John, obviously had skill. You had it, too. That was abundant in watching you play. And everybody you're working with has it for sure, as they, whether they're going to college or whether they're preparing for the NFL. But from your experience and all that you've been through, because you've been through a lot of highs and lows as an actual player, what separates the ones who are able to not only survive but thrive?
5: Well, the common person, I would say the common fan, calls it the it factor and that's the that's the way that they say oh well if he has it he succeeds if he doesn't have it that's probably why they fail right and that's that's probably what most people think but anybody that's lived it and played it knows it's way more than that because the thing that gets you there is so much of the it factor the thing that allows you to compete at that level and gives you opportunities where coaches say all right, I think this guy can be our starter. That, those are all, all those it things play into that. The it is really a combination of a lot of things. It's like an equation. So when I look at the guys that make it and don't make it, there's the things that they control and the things that are out of their control. You have to have things out of your control that line up for you. Um, and I can share, I mean, hundreds of stories of just guys and their, their journeys and things that did and did not work out for them and the things that did not work out for them that it was out of their control and made their path difficult. Now within the things that are within their control, these are things that matter to the person, right? How dedicated really are they? You can look at a person's day and just find out how they shape their schedule. How do they do the things that are gonna help them succeed as a quarterback? If they really matter to them, they're making their day about those things. Everything is about improvement to become a quarterback. There's also resilience. There's a lot of guys that have had a lot of success leading up to the NFL, but because the NFL is such a crazy journey, and there's a phrase in the NFL that the NFL you go to sleep to may not be the NFL you wake up to. And players know that because there's days that players are told one thing, and that is true when they're told it by a head coach or a general manager, and then the following morning it changes. So you have to be really mentally tough, resilient. You have to be able to battle back. Uh, That's why when I see young quarterbacks – Uh, kind of working their way up wanting to be professionals but they want the path to be just all rosy and you know uh, a golden path I think no that's actually not what you want you want to experience the ups and downs because that's what's going to prepare you for the NFL and then the other thing you have to do is you just have to have this ultimate belief in yourself no matter what that no matter the circumstances no matter how many times you've been knocked down you just have to always believe in yourself I think those are really three key factors to give yourself the best chance. Because there's a ton of talented guys. You have to do all the things right, and it doesn't guarantee success, but it at least gives you the best chance for it.
0: So, Zach, is he set up to succeed with the Jets? Are the things that, in his control, I think you would probably tell us he's maximized them, assuming the Jets take him in number two, do the Jets have the things around him that he can't control that he needs to be successful?
5: So I'm going to start with Zach. To this point, I'm so proud of Zach for all the things that he's done that that are right. Um, he's just tenacious with his approach. He's relentless in the way that he works. He has a great mind for football. He has a great work ethic. He, he, work ethic. He's doing all the right things. What's going to happen now for him is he's going to have to refine that even more because he's used to being the college kid that is just so hungry for football, right? But you have like this other life. You have to be a student. You have to do these other things that kind of gives you a little break from football. And I learned this lesson when I jumped into the pros. You like are so hungry for football, but now football becomes your job. You now have to learn how to be a pro where everything is football in your life. Now, how do you balance out that like huge desire that you have to be great with also making sure that you learn how to be smart, how to step away, how to disengage? I believe the hardest part for people that are, you can say, gym rats that just soak up ball and they're always thinking it. The hard part is, is when that personality goes to a tough situation and things aren't necessarily going great, it's very hard to turn that part of your mind and your emotions off for a little bit and step away because that type of person is already so invested that, uh, you know, it hurts on the inside when things don't go good. Now going to the Jets, I think that they're doing everything they can to set up success. Uh, They have a a really good staff that they put together. I know a lot of the guys on that staff, and they're going to do a lot of great things. And I have to say this, right, if the Jets um, pick Zach, because, you know, nothing's 100% done yet. The ticket hasn't been given to the guy at draft. Um, But I think that they're going to try to do everything they possibly can. Now, here's the thing I will say in the NFL, because I experienced it. I've had friends that have experienced it. I believe every team has a plan to help the guy that they pick succeed and be their long-term starter. They're all trying to do that. But the reality of the NFL, like I said before, the NFL you go to bed to is not the one you wake up to. Things happen so fast. They change so much. There's a huge pressure to perform and win. And even though they may pick a guy and believe in that guy wholeheartedly, when that season starts playing out and then things start happening like injuries or coaches start facing heat because the team hasn't won in three, four, five games, right? Then people have to make decisions that a lot of the times it's it's for their job It's or or it's for what something like the the organization feels may be best. And then that's the crazy part of the NFL. At this day and time, I believe if the the Jets take Zach, they are going to do everything within their power over the next few years to make him the most successful quarterback he can be. They want him to be the long-term answer there, but they're doing it in the NFL, and that's the crazy part about the circumstances.
3: So uh, I, you know, I interviewed a million times when you played quarterback at BYU and I always thought you were sort of like a scientist. You, know? you were always trying to discover ways to be successful and you understood the quarterback position deeply. And you also understood that the quarterback's job was to give interviews. And I can recall being down on the practice field, those benches, you would hang out to make sure that everybody who needed you uh, got access to you, and as a, as a writer at that time, I, I greatly appreciate it. And my point for you is I listened to that uh, podcast you did with Peter King, the NFL journalist, and you were talking about, we all know, we heard on the broadcast of Traveling Down, and you were talking about Zach uh, being uh, he would go deliver food, I think, uh, on his off hours to make some spending money. So I wanted to ask you about the intangibles, because it seems like from a distance, from a, from my perspective anyway, Zach Wilson really wants it and studies it in the way that you did. Is that a fair assessment as you analyze the intangibles that go into everything as far as being successful as an NFL quarterback?
5: Absolutely. I think, um, you know, there's all types of different personalities that are quarterbacks. There's not like one personality that like everybody's trying to be that personality or trying to do it exactly one way to succeed at quarterback. You can succeed at quarterback a lot of different ways, playing styles, personality styles, mindsets. I mean, I can go down the list of guys that are just different from each other, but they've all had some degree of success in college football and then onto the NFL. And I can show you guys that have the exact, basically, personality, mindset, decision-making processes as guys that have been largely successful in the NFL, and it's a guy that hasn't. And there's a ton of similarities in their game, in, their, like, in every aspect of it. And sometimes the guy that has, it hasn't worked out for has actually worked harder over the years than the guy that maybe has had a ton of success. So that, that's why things are crazy, and that's why I always say, like, you do what you can do to give yourself a chance. And I do believe that Zach Wilson... He has a great mindset, you know uh, a, a great work ethic it, It's been a joy for me, and I've, I've I've just enjoyed my minutes with him, my time with him, because sometimes, and I don 't know if this makes sense to everybody, but it makes sense to me. There are times that sometimes it's crazy, but I almost feel like I'm talking to my younger self, hmm. and maybe that's why Zach and I feel like we click so well and connect so well because like like I can say something in a way. That it's like as if I'm giving my 20-year-old self advice on this end, and it like works for Zach, and he totally gets it. And I think that that's why this has been, you know, such a good thing. And I'm 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 super excited for the future. Uh, I do think that for all quarterbacks, there are parts of their makeup that for them they have to have, and I described a little bit in the beginning. But I see it through all the guys. So I'll just use the the draft class I had this year. So I, I had Zach. I had Justin Fields, I had Kyle Trask, I had KJ Costello, and then the last like month or so, a few weeks, I've had Trey Lance. All of these guys, in their own way, I can see the it factor as it pertains to them. They've developed that up to this point in their life. The thing that they have to do is they have to keep refining it. It doesn't guarantee them anything, and that's why it's a refining process. All the experiences that they're going to go to, They're going to go to different teams, and they're all five going to have way different experiences. And those experiences are going to have either a positive or a negative effect on them. When they experience the things that are going to scar them or have a negative effect, that's when they really got to work on themselves. They got to hold strong to that belief in themselves. And then they're going to have to go out and do some extra work on how to deal with it. I don't care who you are. Chad Pennington always said this quote, I don't care who a quarterback is before he gets the scars in the NFL. You show the true quarterback you are after you receive the scars of the NFL. And that's why I say all five of those guys somewhere along the road are going to get them. Uh, It happens. Sometimes it happens year five with guys that have gone to the Super Bowl, and then a year later they have a struggling season, and then their team is thinking about maybe letting them go. That is tough on guys. I've seen it happen to a number of guys. All these young guys have to do it. But going back to your original question, I do believe that Jack Wilson does so many right things. I believe the way that he has his makeup set right now is putting him in a good place I think he's gonna to have to keep working at it.
0: Man, John, you just pack so much information and answers. I, I my head's spinning. I got like thirty things I wanna ask you now. I don't even know where to <laughs> jump I don't even know where to jump in. The the fact that you've worked with so many of these top quarterbacks Uh, are you surprised to see them being five of the top nine picks? If you were the GMs, would you make them five of the top nine picks? Is there too much emphasis on quarterbacks? Because Pika and I have been sitting here saying NFL history tells us that these teams are going to go in on these quarterbacks with these high picks and at least half of them are going to move on three years later. The Sam Darnold story is very common. And we can go through NFL history. He's just the most recent example if you went big picture and talked to the GMs about these quarterbacks, what would you say?
5: So this is kind of wild that you're asking me these questions right now. Just last night I did a podcast for the general manager that drafted me at the Dolphins. And, you know, I thought I knew the total story of how everything worked out. And it's crazy for me. What was that now? Like 15 years ago I got drafted, something like that. And I can remember, like, feeling like just, like, dumped on my head. Like, you know, whatever the date was, April 27th or 29th, whatever it was of 2007, I get picked to be that team's quarterback and when they fly me to the facility that next morning they sit me down and say, You are our guy for the future. Here is our plan for you to be the long term answer here and here's what we're gonna do. And I remember them, you know, playing all that out and it was awesome. Felt great, right? And what was it? Seven months later, eight months later, the entire building is fired. The owner sells the team. I mean, everybody just gets dumped on their heads. And I thought I knew the whole story and I had a chance after the podcast ended, we got back on the phone. And as I was driving home, he and I were talking and he was telling me all these things that were happening behind the scenes. I had no clue. And this goes way deeper than me. This goes way back to Nick Saban, Drew Brees. This goes beyond just Bill Parcells coming to Dolphins. I mean, this stretches so many different ways. And it was eye opening for me to like 15 years later, hear all of these things. And it was just like, holy cow. What I thought was things out of my control has now just been magnified 10 more times if things are out of my control. You're absolutely right. All of these guys that I've helped, they're all going to land different situations. And the the history of the NFL shows only a couple of these guys are probably going to have a chance at the success that they are working towards. I do believe when I see all of these guys, I can give comps to all of them of guys that have been successful. And at the same time, I can give comps to all of them of guys that by NFL terms, have not been successful, right? And that's the tough part about this game. Um, I've seen receivers. I've seen linemen. I've seen tight ends. I've seen so many guys. I've seen guys that have insane potential. And then everybody goes, what happened to that guy after college? Man, he was unbelievable in college. And I can sit there and show you coaching changes, receiver coaching changes, scheme changes, injuries, all these different things. And, oh, wow, now I see why that was tough for that guy. And I can see how that happened. And in the key moment when he needed something to go good – The poor guy got injured. Or they fired the coordinator that brought that guy there, and then this new guy gets named the guy, and he just whitewashes the place. Had that coordinator stayed, he had a plan for that guy. So it's crazy. Um, I think there are better fits, of course, for everybody. If you could hand pick, that would be more like what you get to do in college, right? The NFL draft is not a recruiting process. Uh, A lot of people come out of college having gone through a recruiting process and feeling like they want the same thing. You are not a recruit, and you do not get to pick which team you play for. They pick you. And that can sometimes be the greatest fortune you have, and that can sometimes be the most unfortunate thing that happens to you in your life. That's why I say resilience, when I talk to my guys, it's a muscle that you have to constantly be working. And that's why I say, and I think I said this a year plus ago on an interview with Ben Criddle, people were wondering, well, should Zach Wilson be the BYU quarterback? He had all these you know, ups and downs as a sophomore, and I just don't know if we can count on him to be the guy. In my mind, I was thinking, little do you people know How much those ups and downs are going to help this kid for his future, not only for college football, but he's going to go play in the NFL. That's how talented he is. What round he goes to, we can't determine that. But he's a talented enough player to go to the NFL, and you want to have gone through those ups and downs before you get there. Otherwise, it's a swift kick to the groin, as hard as can be, and you're on your knees barely breathing. (laughs) So you better be ready for the ups and downs. You better be flexing that, that resilient muscle so you can make it.
3: Appreciate that description, John. That was well said
5: uh, as far as that goes. Are you so,
3: talking about the fifth kick to the growing? That was
5: exactly. Everybody just kind of cringed a little bit in their cars? Yes,
3: uh, precisely. <laughs> you know exactly what we're talking about. Uh, so we know that Zach was working with you while he was in college, and now he's going to move on to the NFL. BYU fans, uh, the quarterback job is open. Uh, if you're working with somebody who's on the in the competition right now, who is it, if you are, and then what do you think of that quarterback or quarterback? Maybe you're working with multiple, I don't know.
5: Well, things are in the initial stages, right? So I don't want to be the one that comes out and kind of says that because I also don't want people to assume anything or, you know, think anything. I'm I'm sure in its own due time um, it'll come out, you know. um, When I was working really hard to help Zach, it meant a lot to me to help Zach because I met him as an 18-year-old kid. Something that I feel when I'm around these guys that demonstrate the, the mindset and the work ethic that Zach had was, It just reminds me of a dream, right? I think there's a lot of boys and girls where, like, uh, it's something about in their nature where they can feel that dream at a young age, right? And they're very motivated and they want to get there. And as as a coach, I can sense that. And, you know, you're not wrong if, if you don't have that during your teenage years. You know, there's nothing wrong with figuring it out a little bit later in life. But I am very passionate about people when they have a vision. And when I can see that someone has a vision, at this stage in my life, I'm there to help them. You know, 15 years ago was about me chasing my own one. But I, I, I love that when I see somebody that has a vision. And to be able to help somebody that plays at the very university that I played at, BYU meant a lot to me. Uh, I got there at a time when it was rough, right? And I can remember when I made that commitment, I had a lot of people close to me that wondered, why the crap would you go there? Like that place is like spiraling downward, and you have these other universities that are in way bigger conferences And you can like if you win in that conference, you get to go play in the Rose Bowl. Like where does the Mountain West send you? But you know there was something that felt right about it, and uh, I did not know how difficult it was going to be and how tough it is to lift something up that is in a tough place. But I look back now uh, as those are some of the most memorable times in my life. I love the work that I put in every single day on that field with those mountains right there. I love the challenges with my teammates. I miss my that time with my teammates. I got to go to dinner with all my linemen when I came out for the pro day. Such a great memory to look back at the things you accomplished, so when I have an opportunity to work with a BYU quarterback, it means so much to me because it's helping the program that university is a very, very special place, so yes, I love when a when like a BYU quarterback reaches out, and there is somebody that's reached out, and I do want to help him the most I possibly can, and I'm sure in his due time it'll come out, but I also don't want to set any expectations. Zach Wilson did something amazing, nobody would have been able to foresee that he, this kid was going to go be in the number two pick potentially in the draft, right uh Eight months ago, everybody was wondering if he was going to be the starter at BYU. I love Zach's story. I would love to help somebody else with their, with their story, but it's it's probably not going to look the exact same. But the thing that can look the same is the hard work, the dedication, the sacrifice, the downs. When that person, you know, worked his butt off and didn't get a win and maybe missed something in the game or is looking back and finding a way to get better. To me, that's the awesome part of the journey that I, I miss as a player, but I love helping people without now. And uh You know, Hopefully the work that this quarterback and I put in over the next few years really helps him accomplish something great. Probably he's not going to look exactly like Zach's, but for him and his story, I hope it's something amazing because if he's doing that, the university gets to enjoy another special season, and that means a lot to me as well.
0: So I I could easily talk to you for another hour. I have so many things I want to run by you, but PK and I have been talking about uh, the name, image, and likeness and the money that kids in college are going to be able to make off of that, especially the high-profile guys, which obviously is quarterbacks. Going back to your swift kick to the groin and things are going to go wrong and it is going to be humbling and it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt your ego and your pride and your confidence. The name, image, and likeness and the money that um, a hot prospect can get even as they step on campus for the very first time before the very first practice, is that going to make it harder for some kids to succeed as quarterbacks? Is this going to be, as much as it sounds like a positive, is it end up going to be a negative and a hurdle?
5: I think there will absolutely be drawbacks from it and negatives to it. Um, nowadays, I think it's unfortunate, but uh, there's a lot of me stuff going on. Um, and I think as I try to, I'm going to say this as a parent, okay? When I watch the world around my boys, I see a lot of people turning the phone on themselves. Right, I can't tell you how many times at the beach here in Southern California I'm out there and I just see people's phones turned back towards themselves, right? And uh, I get concerned because, yes, you have to take care of yourself. Yes, you have to care about yourself enough, and you got to believe in yourself. But if you lack that that thing inside you that's looking out for others because you're too concerned with yourself, you're missing out on some of the best things in life. You're going to miss out on some of those connections. like. Some of the best joys of my time at BYU are those times, like I just described with my teammates. Well, if I'm so focused on myself and the money that I can make, am I truly connecting with my teammates like I need to? Because that is so much of the separating factor between a great team and an average team. It's that that culture that's built within the players. And I do have worries that if guys go to a school, they may pick schools based on what they're being told they can personally make during their time there. You know, I wonder what type of people are gonna turn into, hey, you can hire me and I can be the one that makes you money while you're in college, right? You may have these families, these recruits that may say, or even universities that may say, we can line you up with this person if you come to this school and they will help you make this much money during your four to five years while you're here. And that can end up being a recruiting thing. And if a guy's choosing college football because of how much money he can make, college football will change. There's something great about college football that I hope gets protected. and you know, hey, I think it's good for guys to make money. I'm going to say that as well. You invest so much time as a player. You do not have the time to go out and get a full-time job, and you're working extremely hard. And I shouldn't say you don't have time. It's all based upon what you choose, right? There are guys that can have a steady job while they're a football player, but I will say those guys are going to have a hard time finding time to make the sacrifice to be the best football player they can be. The guys that are prioritizing football, making that a huge, huge part of them trying to become a professional – it's going to be very hard for them to find time to make good money. So I do think it's a good thing to give guys an opportunity to make some money. Um, also, while they're doing so much for the university, I don't think it's a bad thing because of what they're doing that they get to you know, kind of be rewarded a little bit. I do worry in the recruiting process, and I do worry about the mindset. I do worry about in a generation where there's a lot of entitlement. Are there going to be some kids that feel entitled to a certain amount of money, and they feel gypped? if they went to a school and they're not getting the money that they thought they were going to get while they're at that school, what type of attitude are they going to have on the practice field in the locker room, in the meeting rooms? That could be a drawback. And like I said, I hope the things that are great about college football get protected. I hope this change is not one of those things that hurts it.
0: John, you're welcome back anytime. You probably got better things to do than talk to us, but we love having you on.
5: (laughs) Uh, You guys are good. I'm just going to get back to my workout. I, I made sure I got about three quarters done. I knew
0: you guys were going to call now, so it's time to hit the second half of it. All right, there it is. Thanks, John. We appreciate it. Yeah, you guys are welcome. We'll see you. John Beck, former BYU quarterback, quarterback coach at 3DQB, working with Zach Wilson, and he gave us a couple things we can hold on there to, PK. The NFL you go to bed to may not be the NFL you wake up to. That's an awesome line. I really well, like that.
3: That's a, I, could give you, I know we've got to go to break. I'll give you a real quick one. Trevor Riley, one day you were gone. Trevor Riley was sitting in. The former Ute linebackers up on the staff now. He talked about over uh, Labor Day, they said if they don't call you, if you don't hear from them, you've made the team. So he goes to bed Monday night all excited. Tuesday morning he goes in the next morning. And somebody who got cut someplace else, they picked that guy up, and then that changed everything for Trevor Riley. Literal example of what John just said.
0: And it happens all the time. That's not a one-off. Chad Lewis said that he got cut in St. Louis because there was an injury at linebacker, and they had to pick somebody up, and they'd been carrying one extra tight end, so he was the guy that let go. But that's how he got back to Philadelphia, where his career really took off. So... Sometimes the worst stuff that happens ends up being the best stuff, too. Crazy, crazy stuff. Well, we really do appreciate John coming on. That was fun. Tim McComb, jazz radio studio pre-half and post-game analyst will join us next. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started.
1: This is Hans Olson and Scotty G on the Zone
6: Sports Network. Play-by-play voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke What Joe's doing is historic. You take, I think at five threes, only Kyle Korver has ever had a better shooting season in the history of the league, which was interestingly on that 60-win Hawks team that the Jazz get compared to the most. I have a statistic I call points gained, which is you take the players possessions or scoring opportunities in a night comparing to what an average player would do with those staff's obviously number. Number one in the league. Joe's the seventh most positively impactful offensive player in the NBA. The league still doesn't quite understand the value of 50% from three. Like it's, it's a crazy number, it's game changing, and it's why we win. I can make a pretty good argument Jalen Ingalls is our best offensive player this year.
1: Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280, the zone in the zone sports network. <laughs>
0: JPK in the Mornings is brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. Time to welcome in Tim Lacombe, jazz radio studio, pre-half, and post-game analyst. Tim, good morning.
7: Good morning, my dear friends.
0: Tim, I am curious. The Jazz won nine in a row. People were pumped. They've gone five and four. People a little stressed. Do you go big picture and say, "Ah, they're fourteen and four. That's about what you'd expect over eighteen games. Relax." Or the coach in you, you dry, you you, you drill down into the details and there's stuff that's definitely bugging you. Uh,
7: you know, I actually think the Jazz, for the most part, have played pretty well. Um, they, they've, for the first time all year, they've been affected by you know, and I'm knocking on wood. I do this every time but a little bit of the injury bug, you know, I think one of the great stories in the season is how they, um, you know, were able to kind of stay healthy as a group and certainly had guys miss from time to time. You know, I think Conley's uh, hamstring was very, you know, that was kind of a scary thing, um, but I thought they handled it great. They've, they've certainly done so since with back to backs and kind of monitoring that. Um, but, I think they just may have played one of their best games of the year um, the other night. And, uh, you know, I know everybody will be quick to say, easy, the Lakers weren't at full strength. I understand that. Uh, But just in terms of watching the spacing and the ball movement and execution of what they try to do on a nightly basis, uh, I certainly give them an A for the other night. Tim, you tell me.
3: Why do I smile and chuckle and almost laugh every time Joe Ingles makes a
7: three? Because he's every man. You know, I think that Joe. You know, if you were to pass him anywhere out there, you, you just uh, he'd just be one of those other guys. I think what what makes Joe remarkably great is um, he is a, he is your average Joe. He's he's a guy who you know is. Certainly one of the fun guys to watch the way he competes, um, I think his uh, his level of craftiness is beyond compare. Um, and I just love his fire and his energy. but uh, beyond all that, he's just a, he's an extraordinarily good shooter, and what's really fun, and I think probably why we chuckle is we watched him you know last year struggle with his confidence and kind of wonder if shots should be taken or not. I mean, there's zero of that. Now he's very, very definitive about what he's doing out there. And when he is that way, um, you know, like in anything, when you get in a rhythm and a role, um, you know, whether it be golf or, um, you know, anything that you love to do when you get in a rhythm, it's just awesome. You know, you don't even think about it. You just step up and make your play. So, I think that's where Joe is right now, um, one of the great shooters in the league. And um, be, in addition to that, I, I think Joe's a huge reason why, um, you know, Joe and Mike having multiple guys out there that can handle the ball takes a lot of pressure off, you know, Donovan being out for a few games. Certainly miss Donovan's dy- uh, dynamic approach and role. But these guys, you know, they can they can get the ball where it needs to go. They can get the guys set on what they need to do. Um, and I think it's a real luxury that we're seeing to have multiple guys with mul- you know a lot of vast experience running the team.
0: So Joe's biggest games seem to come when either Donovan or Mike is out, and I can't help but think that's because he gets to run more pick and rolls. And when they're both there, he goes to the corner opposite Royce O'Neal usually, and those two guys wait and wait and see if somebody rotates away from them and they get the ball do the Jazz need to put Joe in the driver's seat and more pick and rolls? Are they a better team when he does that? And it means taking the hand, the ball out of Mike or Donovan or both of their hands for a few more possessions a game. How would you handle that? What would you suggest if you were an assistant to Quinn, the way you were an assistant to Dave Rose? What would you What would you say behind closed doors?
7: Well, I think the, the the matchups kind of dictate that. Um, you know, that's what's beautiful about the playoffs. Become a very very strategic. Um, you know a game where you are again playing that same team over and over and over again and you're you're kind of trying to every single time find an advantage I think that that's going to be something that we see um, you know the distribution of usage and pick and roll um, but I'm telling you it is such a luxury you just look around the league there isn't there aren't a whole lot of teams that have that ability to have shooters in all those spots and then also, multiple guys that can, can read um, and make the right play coming off a ball screen. Um, Joe Joe's phenomenal that way. Like his, uh, his understanding and, you know, oftentimes you see him wait till the very last second to either scoop one in or, you know, throw a late lob to Rudy or even flip the ball cross court to, to a teammate for a shot. Uh, I think he, he possesses a really, really keen understanding of the defense. Uh, and I certainly would be uh, a fan of moving that distribution around as matchups indicate that, you know, it's a positive thing. And I think that's where Quinn is, and his staff have been phenomenal. Um, you know, they come out, and the Jazz have the same objective every night. They want to they wanna shoot threes and layups on the offensive end and get to the line. And on the defensive end, they – Obviously, they want to protect the three point line and the rim and not foul. and um, so lots of different ways to to get those things accomplished, but a huge part of it is is knowing who's guarding you and and your strengths against that that person. and that's where the staff has a, a great amount of intel and I think we're going to see more of that in the playoffs, DJ.
3: Like everybody else, Tim, I was excited when I heard about the Dwayne Wade news coming aboard as uh, whatever minority ownership he's going to have in the stake as far as the Jazz go, and, you know, wow, he's going to help them get free agents and all that, and, and, you know, hopefully that's the case. My thought is that he's an addition, and he's a supplement, and, and, you know, he could help, but the strength of the organization is just that, and they've done so much right that – I don't want it to overshadow it. I want it to be a part of the the whole, uh, not sales pitch, but just the whole part of why the entire organization is attractive rather than just one individual. You've been involved in recruiting younger kids. These guys are now pros, uh, so there is a little bit of a difference there. Uh, but to me, the, the Dwayne Wade thing is a great thing. But a greater thing is all the stuff that the Jazz have to offer. How do you see it?
7: Yeah, I I actually believe, um, you know, that the Jazz, you know, Salt Lake City, Utah, you know, and and I heard a little blurb of your your buddy DJ over there, and I thought he actually said it pretty eloquently the other day. I think there are inherent things with this state, this culture, um, and some of the history that is just going to always be there. And, I think what um, the organization has done is they certainly created an organization here that is first class. Um, you know, I think the Millers did a great job of putting this franchise in a position constantly to be successful. And that's really hard to do. I mean, you watch, you look around the league and you see teams really flounder for a long periods of time. and mm-hmm. um, You know, this this organization did a great job with the resources it had. I think they, each and every person that's worked for the organization in different roles throughout the history, you know, has created a, a franchise that we all can get behind and get really excited about. But that being said, I think there's a lot of different things that have really kind of hurt through the years. And um, I think Ryan has the foresight to say, let's address some of that stuff. You know, it's not it's not just... Um, you know, let's be very, very out there with, with how we feel. And, uh, I think this move does a couple different things. Um, number one, I think it's huge that it gives, uh, you know, Dwayne a seat at the table. Uh, I think there's a lot of organizations that are willing to bring guys, you know, former guys on and things like that as ambassadors. But in this instance, you know, to be able to actually have a seat at the table is, is huge um, I think the second thing, and you mentioned it, is the free agent situation and the recruitment of players. Um, recruiting and, and players are the lifeblood of our an organization. That, you know, that's that way in in high schools, that way in college. You, you're you're, you're going to be as good. Your coach is awesome, but you're going to be as good as your players can be. Um, and so, you constantly have to go out and find the very best players that fit, that you feel great about, and and bring them in. And that's been a, a stumbling block through the years a little bit, and uh, so to have some, you know, some uh, somebody out there that actually, you know, has done this at the highest level in a different place and can speak to the great things about this place is huge. Um, and then I think the third thing I would mention is just the expertise with the current players. Um, can you imagine? You know, at least me growing up. You know, a guy like Dwayne Wade for these guys is, uh, you know, for me is a Larry Bird or a, um, you know, a Magic, and, and to have the the, the daily association. Uh, and I know that Dwayne is very, very involved. I think he'll always will, he will be. And, um, you know, I know when he was here, I talked to a couple of people that you know he, the guys spent a ton of time in the locker room, more time in the locker room that night than they typically do, because he was there and he's talking to guys and. So I think all those things kind of together make this extraordinarily cool. Um, I've got on record, I I, I think Ryan Smith's going to bring a championship to Utah. Um, you know, with with this organization, I think it's going to happen.
3: When Tim? When? Yeah, right.
7: <laughs> um, you know what? I, I don't know when. I'll, as soon as uh, as soon as that's revealed to me, I will. Um... <laughs>
0: revealed. Uh, oh, that Makes I me a mean, little nervous. <laughs> right? Yak uh, is applauding you. That was that was a PK level play right there. Good job. Okay, I, I'm learning.
7: I'm getting better. I think, <laughs> hanging around. I, I've been a rookie, and and I see the vets. You know, I, every <laughs> every opportunity I can, I study you guys. So, uh, um, yeah. no, but honestly, I I think that, that that that's the end game, and you know, it's always been something that we've hoped for, but never overtly talked about. And, and I think that that's the difference. I think we're going to knock down things that have been stumbling blocks, um, and we're going to have a parade down. Down, I guess it would be Main Street, right?
0: Uh, it could be State. Hard to know. State Street. Down on Main Street. <laughs> we, need it. we need it.
7: Down on Main Street. <laughs> That's a PK, too, just randomly singing a lyric.
0: <laughs> uh, maybe it could be a long parade. You know, they could go down State Street and come back up Main Street. No,
3: no, no. It goes starts in Logan. It, and it goes down AB to St. George.
0: <laughs>
7: <laughs> that would be really cool, wouldn't it?
0: U.S. 89, lined with people.
7: Hey, and I'll probably tell you this. That's probably what Ryan would do, because he does things bigger than most. So, you know, don't don't count that out. We could have perhaps a barnstorming tour all the way to St. George. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool.
0: Uh, it would be well received. I know when uh, RSL won the MLS Cup in 2009, they made a point of doing something in every county. And I didn't, I was, I didn't see what happened in all these counties or anything. It's, it's not like the torch relay, but the torch relay would be another example. People embrace it all over the state, so it, you, would, that would guys, work. That would work.
7: Seen, you guys have seen the new intro when they, when they intro the team, and they get little snippets of, of people all over the state of Utah. You know, they've got, got people in the city, and they've got ranchers, and you know, the thing that stood out to me is there's. It, it, it really is, you know. The, it's the fabric of our state is certainly changing, and I think that that's what's exciting. Is this move kind of signifies all the different things that are going on, and I'm telling you, you got to believe it. Um, but I think it, I think that this is one huge step in what I'm talking about here, and we'll see kind of the dividends play out uh, as time goes on.
0: So I'm curious what you think right now of uh, all the teams that have guys out. Harden is now hurt in Brooklyn, and they are saying it's back to square one, so it sounds bad. Uh, And I've heard LeBron is – we've all read that he's weeks away, and there's only four weeks left in the season. Don't these guys need a little bit of a runway, playing, playing together, getting in the flow? I mean, it's not – you can't just throw an all-star team together and just pluck – throw some guy in for – a week or 10 days before the playoffs and have it all work, can you?
7: Well, you know, I made the mistake about this time last year at watching a Lakers team that was, I would say, close to floundering at the time um, with LeBron AD in and out of the lineup. And I made the mistake of saying, you know, I don't know that they can do this. And I really do think you have to kind of – at least in LeBron and A.D.'s case, the the greatness of those two guys and the fact they won it last year. Um, I'm with you. Typically, yeah, you do need a runway. That's why they have a preseason. Um, But I I think these guys are, you know, we're seeing them in street clothes right now. I imagine they're getting some work in. Um, When they do play, it changes the whole dynamic of that team. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the thing that stood out to me the other night without them, it's just their length. They're just so big. They're so long. And you saw it affect the Jazz early in that game when they were really putting a lot of pressure. But I think the Jazz found something there that night against them. They really started to play on direct lines and put pressure you know, on the rim, which really caused other guys to have to give help that they didn't want to give. And it popped things for the Jazz. I think league-wide, the injury thing at this point is now a – it's one of those things that we all have to monitor and watch. But I think with, like Quinn said, the only thing the jazz can control is what the jazz do on a nightly basis. And, um, you know, they got an opportunity tonight to go, as somebody pointed out, it's the team. It's a palindrome game. You know, David Locke brings up the palindrome all the time, but the records are exactly the same in a palindrome. Um, and so this is a game that jazz should, should win. But I remember Houston coming in here and giving the jazz fits, you know, so, uh, you can't take any game for granted regardless of who's playing and who's not. Uh, I think the most important thing for the jazz, like Quinn said the other night is finding ways to get better. Um, you know, finding little things that perhaps like you mentioned, DJ or Joe handling the ball and his usage. This may be something that spurs uh, some activity in the playoffs. That, you know, they find some things they can go to. Certainly the other night we saw Ilyasova go crazy from, you know, so you wonder, you know, in a certain situation, do the Jazz play with a stretch, you know, put a stretch five out there at times and maybe have Iliasova play some of those minutes the favors is getting if the matchup's right. So I those are the things you're looking for here in the last four weeks.
0: Well, Tim, we don't, want to, uh, we don't want you to use all your good material here. That's a lie. We do. But we know you've got a, uh, a show coming up yourself, 5 o'clock, for the pregame show today, and we will hear you then.
7: Always a pleasure, guys.
0: Thanks so much. All right. Tim Lacombe, jazz radio studio pre-half and post-game analyst, and you'll hear him tonight with Jake Scott, pregame at 5, and the game tips off at 6. The palindrome game. The Jazz are 43-15. and 15. Houston, mirror image, 15 and 43. A mere 28 games back, PK. They're right there.
3: Yeah, they've been eliminated.
0: DJ and PK, more in a moment on 97.5 and 12.80, the zone. The Big
1: shoe. with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson
0: new head basketball coach at Utah State, Ryan Odom. How important is local recruiting or is it going to be
6: more national and international reach? Certainly you want to take care of your home base first and foremost. That's the most important to any school. You want to make sure that you take care of your recruiting footprint. Those are the folks that are going to be most impactful. They understand your university and what it's like to be a student there. You want to make sure you're reaching out to those folks that really care about Utah State. This is a contacts business. The better contacts you have, the better chance to be able to put a great team together. So I'm excited for the folks here in Utah to get to know my staff. Catch the Big
1: Show weekdays from 2 to 7 presented by Big O' Tires, the team you trust. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone in the Zone Sports Network.
0: DJ PK brought to you in part by Jerry Seiner Cadillac. Check out the new bold lineup at Jerry Seiner Cadillac. It's definitely not your grandpa's Cadillac.
3: It is not, DJ. Definitely not.
0: You've liked John Beck for a long time. We had him on the air today. He talked quarterbacks. He talked Zach Wilson. He dropped a lot of knowledge, but you didn't have any time to react to it, PK, because we had uh, Tim coming on to talk jazz and NBA. And for the folks who uh, are joining us here right right about 9 o'clock and missed him at the start of the 8 o'clock hour, reaction? Something you want to underline and emphasize? Put it in bold and highlight it? What was your takeaway? Well,
3: everything John Beck says, I want to highlight it and put it in bold because when it comes to quarterbacking the guy's a genius as far as I'm concerned Uh, and I've said this I mean he's what he's 15 years removed from playing it's crazy to think about that when you when you do think about that That I was working for the newspaper at the time uh, covering him and he was such a treat because he spoke in such a clinical manner I felt like I learned something every time I spoke to him and to me quarterbacking when I listen to him talk talk quarterbacking, it was like listening to Majerus talk basketball. He Just, I need to take a drink of water there. He just knew, <coughs> excuse me, he just knew everything about the position, and, and I thought Majerus was a genius. I think he was a genius in his life, uh, but especially, obviously, in basketball, and when he talks about Zach Wilson, I, 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 I sit up straight, I, I just sit up straight. When John Beck speaks, you know, a little insight on John Beck, how smart he is. We were laughing about, he was talking about how something that the league will kick you in the groin and bring you to your knees. And I said, oh, that was descriptive. And he joked and he said, yeah, it's probably a little bit too descriptors for your listeners in their car. (laughs) And he knows what our business is about, that most of our listeners are in their car in the morning. You know what I mean? That's just an insight to John Beck and his level of intelligence. And he identified Zach Wilson as an 18-year-old. And I've spoken about this too. People who I trust in the football business told me this kid is going to be somebody. High school coaches, I think we know who they are, and I have an association there. And they told me, and then guys uh, in the coaching business at the collegiate level who weren't even coaching at BYU at the time, told me about this kid and watching him develop. I could be totally wrong, but I think he's going to be a really good pro. I've been in the Wilson camp for a long time, and listening to John talk about it, it's got me excited, but then of course you bring up the stuff about the Jets, yep. and there's a whole bunch of stuff that you can't control, yep. no matter how good you are, yep. and that, you know does give me some concern. <laughs> but I believe that John or John is right in saying Zach has got what it takes.
0: Well, you know the Jets with the coaching change, they got a guy coming from a successful organization. There was a time, this is true, and if you're, you know, if you're 30 years old, you can't believe it. But if you're 40 or 50, there was a time the Patriots were a joke. Now, they got a new owner and they got a new coach and they hit on a good quarterback and then they hit on a great quarterback and everything changed. I mean, it just everything about it changed. But they literally did nothing for my entire life. And then 25 years ago, they got good, and 20 years ago, they got great.
3: What are you talking? They were in a Super Bowl with Steve Grogan in '85.
0: Yep, yep. and they won a playoff That's game in life? the mid 70s. They met you, were, play- you were in your
3: prime in eighty. 80- was it '85?
0: I was in my prime. <laughs> oh, man. And it was. Your Rolodex
3: was, of the honeys you had the in there?
0: Rolodex, oh. old school. <laughs> Hey, you used you to have names and numbers, names and numbers written on a paper card and some type of rolling uh, plastic or metal thing. Yeah,
3: you, you you laugh at me for being old school. You're the guy who thinks it's acceptable to have an 82 year old as the president of the United States, buddy.
0: <laughs> never thought I'd live to see uh, what was he, 76 year old, 77 year old, running against an 82 year old. Never thought I'd live to see that. Yet here we are. <laughs>
3: So, I believe that Zach Wilson will help make the organization better because there's been that eternal debate Belichick or Brady and Brady or Belichick, right? And we saw Tom obviously win the thing this last season without Belichick. And I don't think that in any way took away from Belichick's greatness. Absolutely not. I don't think, I don't, I've been saying this for years that you have to have all your ducks in a row. You know, we went through that summer stuff. When we didn't have uh, live sports and the last dance and how Kraus and was mm-hmm. uh, the bull's gym was made to be a buffoon. Yeah, well, he won all the freaking titles. I and mean, come on, he traded for Pippin, right? Who?
0: Did, did, yeah,
3: did, didn't he trade? So who did he trade? Was Olden it uh, Olden The yeah, 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 right, right. The well, sheriff. Come on, man. <laughs> well, he can be the sheriff all he wants, but I'm going to take Pippin as a ball player over Polynes. And Polonies was okay, but obviously he wasn't Pippin. Uh, so, my point is, man, you've got to have everything in a row, and I think Zach Wilson has got what it takes. At the same time, though, I'm still a Sam Darnold fan, but I just, I don't, I, people told me about Sam Darnold because I have some connections down in Southern California, but at the same time, man, I have direct connections here. And they told me about Zach Wilson, high school guys, all the way to college guys. And I consider John now is is a pro guy. And listen to him speak on what he says gets me excited. Just listening to John speak. You were right, man. We could have had John on the whole show. Oh, yeah. Could have been the John Beck show packs in
0: He packs in so much info into one answer. There's so many things you want to follow up on and get him to explain or tell a story. That Dolphin story was great that even though he thought he knew what was going on, he didn't, and how every decision along the way changes everything. The The Dolphins franchise, you know, the not getting Breeze, how that changes the NFL and changes oh, the Saints. Mess. That was a massive decision that shaped the NFL. It was a mess for Miami. It was yeah. the best thing that ever happened to the Saints. Another franchise that was probably even a better example than the Patriots. They were a joke for a long time, and now they just— Roll off oh, yeah, 10 the seasons, yeah, and and fans wearing paper bags, bags. over their head, and yeah, yeah. it was embarrassing. And never won anything, and now it's just they they've been falling. You just open the doors and win ten games, and then maybe right, maybe right. more. Yeah. But that ten right. was automatic.
3: Yeah, yeah, a great franchise for for a long time under Drew Brees. He goes down most likely as Mister Saint, and uh, he went there. We know it, and the rest is history and all that stuff. Yeah, it's 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 interesting how. Uh, how things happen and the result, the fallout uh, negative or positive. And in this case it was, and I think John was caught up a little bit in the Miami thing. And I heard him talk about on that Peter King podcast. He didn't have time to go into it. The podcast was like an hour. So he did, but all those things set up. And Zach Wilson is going to have to face that. And Zach Wilson went through all sorts of doubters too, man, right out of high school, the school he wanted to go to said, Nope. Right, right off the bat. I mean, and I love those guys up there, and but nevertheless, but they said
0: no. They yeah. said no. They. I was explaining this to my my wife. We BYU. Boy, if you like exposure, they really got it last night. Kirk Herb Street has the ESPN needs something this time of year just because yeah. of the sports calendar. And so with Gruden, they had this draft thing, and it was great because Gruden has charisma and personality, and he could really connect with these guys he didn't know. And he did this great show. But Gruden goes off the NFL, so now Herb Street's doing the show. He had Zach Wilson on last night. They had John Beck on. They had Steve Young on. Steve basically gave a testimonial. Steve is. I mean, he would never say anything bad about a BYU quarterback going to the NFL. He's not going to do that. You know, maybe he'd be quiet or you know tone it down. But like, he is jumping up and down and stamping his feet. He's put it all out there. And if John has a Hall of Fame career, if if uh, or excuse me, if Zach has a Hall of Jack. Fame career, and if he wins Super Bowls, when they do the retrospectives on the career, they can pull out these bites from Steve Young of Steve calling his shot because the praise is effusive. How's that for a $6 word? Effusive. And <laughs> and so my wife sees me watching this and I'm trying to explain to her: well, here's the deal and here's how this all works. Did you break down football for honey? No, it's more she did not care about the football. She likes the she likes this is where you two are the same. The story. She, she loves the story about the people. And I told, he said, she said. He's a quarterback? And yeah, and she goes, he's a good-looking young kid. He's got that All-American thing. If he hits it big, we're going to be seeing him on car ads and stuff, aren't we? He's going to be selling oh, yeah, trucks. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, he's got all of that. And uh, where's he from? And I'm like, he's from right here. He went to Corner Canyon and Draper. And uh, I said, PK's wife, you know, teaches at the school and knows him and the brother and the, the whole bit. I didn't go into her with the recruiting pitch for the brother and all of that. But I, and so I'm telling her all this and she's like, really? I said, well, the funny thing is Utah and BYU didn't want him. And he went and he was gonna go to Boise State and she's looking at me like well why don't you Tom BYU want some kid who's grown up halfway between their campus who's now having ESPN Literally. specials done on him and Good like caution. was he a, she, she's like was he a late bloomer and I said yeah and there was a coaching change and so bit. she was soaking up the whole the whole story and uh you know, it's a phenomenal story. Aaron, yeah, Aaron Roderick lands in the program and has a relationship, and yeah, yeah, and so yeah. he ends up there. I said, but the, the family wore red, and all of a sudden they were wearing blue because, well, they were going to wear blue anyway, and it's better to drive you know 35 minutes or an hour or whatever, depending on traffic, than it is to go all the way to Boise State, right? That's six hours one way. So
3: The only thing, Yak, is we've got to get the mom to stop swearing on Instagram.
0: I kind of find it funny, but that's just me. <laughs> I did bring up Instagram with my wife. I said, that "You." I said, "If you'd watch the the uh, the games, which I watch them at work, so she, I'm, they're not on at home, and she's not gonna she'll watch if I'm watching and there's something going on, but she's not likely to turn it on herself." And uh, I said, "The dad is enormous, and the mom is tiny, and the dad can be pretty reserved, but the mom is the TV camera she's loves the there. mom, the she's... emotion." With every touchdown. She's a funny gal. Yeah, and I said she's on Instagram, and PK's always telling me. She's on Instagram, and she goes, how do you know? You don't do Instagram. It drives you nuts. I'm like, yeah, but PK does it for me, so I hear all about it. I know if something important happens on Instagram, I know PK's got me covered. If PK needs some stat or number, he doesn't have to do it. I've got him covered. It's teamwork. She's laughing. Uh,
3: She does. uh, Old Lisa does crack me up with her daily posts. I look forward to them.
0: And now I just got this from someone in the world of football. What would Aaron Roderick have done without Beck? question mark lol laughing crying emoji. That's uh, the whole drive to California. You know the thing yeah. I the thing I got out of that and this is the I, neither of these guys needs to be ripped. This is the way football no, works now. There's no, no, so much pressure on quarterbacks and they have such a window. You get your chance, but you don't necessarily get a lot of chances. You got to be prepared whenever your chance comes. And the NCAA's got rules on how much coaches can work with them. And which coaches can work with them, right? The analysts aren't supposed to be able to. Although Yock was just telling me UTEP got busted. Apparently their analysts were coaching. Man, with all these close practices, I'll bet you there's a lot of analysts Let, coaching. Let's go to El Paso no, and hammer the Myers. The
3: analysts are coaching, so what? They're not
0: supposed to. That's the rule, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Alabama's know, doing this but, over here, but, but, but the point UTEP, is, the you're point in trouble. Is the, UTEP, yeah, the, the, the player always needs to be improving, and if he can't interact with a coach, he needs someone to interact with. So having this you know, driving to California. Well, if you got a guy there and you got a good relationship and it's working, well, then do it. And I think the thing Beck really sold is the ups and downs, which he says you want at an early age. Sure. You don't want everything to work right because stuff's going to go wrong later. You better learn how to react when stuff goes wrong. But, you know, these guys are the college and pro level because coaches on campus and in NFL teams change so often. I get why you need someone who's with you in the long run, who knows the whole story and can work with you on stuff. Now they got to be kind of of the same mind. If you get taught one thing over here and then you got taught it completely different over here, that's going to be a problem. But I could really see as Beck was talking, what guys go through and knowing the NSA limits and the way coaching staffs changed. I kind of get why a quarterback would want, you know, the guru. And we laugh at all the people, all the ex-athletes who end up, you know, separating parents from their money and, Coaching up second graders and all that, uh, but but when you're when you're deep into it in high school and you're a prospect, I get why you really need that. You can really hear it when Beck's telling that story, or those stories. All right, DJ and PK, the Jazz, the NBA, the stretch run. We will get to that next. Stay with us, DJ and PK. Time for the question. Of the day. The PGA Tour will give $40 million in annual bonuses to players based on their likability and fan engagement. Should pro and college sports follow suit? I think college is going to in a different form. I think that's what name, image, and likeness is gonna come down to. If you're likable and you'll engage with the fans, you can make a lot of money off your name, a lot of money off your is off your image. And that's where it's going. So it's going to look different than what the tour does, but it's going to be—they're kind of going to be cousins. It's going to be similar, you know. In the pros, PK, it's it's guaranteed money in the NBA. But if you took this and tried to apply it to the Jazz, I think most of us could argue, well, they've already done that in the way they've structured the salaries. It's all built into that.
3: True. Good
0: point. You know, your likability, your fan engagement. Now, a big part of your likability is win. You know, you may not have, I mean, Donovan Mitchell, it took us all about, you know, five seconds to figure out that Donovan Mitchell just oozes charisma, right? And Rudy's personality is different. It isn't as warm and as fun, but people are drawn to his intensity, which even when he wasn't nearly as as uh, fluent in English as he is now, I almost said nearly as good at English as he is now. Jeez. I grew up with it and I can't speak it, Um You could still sense that intensity. And so, you know, likability comes in a lot of flavors. You know, if a guy's really intense and you're a really intense fan, you're drawn to them. You know, so I think with the pros, it's kind of built in. I think the PGA Tour has something, and the Jazz are actually at uh, probably the complete opposite end of the spectrum. So it's a good contrast. You know, the Tour, you like the sport. It's a niche sport. It's a big niche. There's a lot of people. But... Uh, you know, the PGA Tour isn't going to draw ratings like the NFL playoffs. You know, even the majors aren't going to do that well. Uh, But because they show up once a year, they really need people to engage, whereas the Jazz... They're in the community with the radio, on, the games on the radio and the TV and the billboards, and people can go to the games. And you're, you're, even if you don't interact with the players, once in a while you see one of them around town, and you talk about it and remember it forever. So they're there all the time. So the PGA Tour has slightly different issues because they just keep parachuting into all these towns once or twice a you know, a, an area like LA they might be in a couple times a year, uh, but mostly they're somewhere once a year.
3: Yeah, they are, but it's at the same time every year. So, mm-hmm. you're, you, if you're into that, you know, you know, Phoenix Open week is Super Bowl. I, I've known it my whole life, uh, basically since they moved to Arizona. Will that change? They're going to
0: move the Super Bowl now with the 17 game season. I wonder if they'll move the know. move it move the Phoenix one week and swap it with somebody else. Uh,
3: if I was a PGA, I would my answer to that would be yes. yes. But I don't know the I don't know the answer to that. So and you're right about the pros that they're structured in a way about that, and so the salaries reflect who are the most popular and all that. So I can buy all that and and agree with that. Uh, and they they have the opportunity to be taken care of beyond their wildest dreams. You know, they If the jazz, they do well uh, in the postseason. I, th- I think we're going to start seeing Donovan Mitchell get more and more national acclaim. Yeah, because he's a special dude, and he, you know he's like a mini Magic, really. When you think about it, the personality, the smile, the willingness to engage, and how Magic was such a people person, uh, at, uh, virtually at all times, and everybody loved him because he just was just the, his personality was so charismatic, and I, and I think Mitchell's the same way. And so, obviously, he played in a bigger market and won at the highest levels and was all that. Mitchell's not there yet. I don't know if he could ever get to that level. Probably not. But he can get to a level to where you're going to see him. If Lillard can do it on a national level, Mm -hmm. then certainly Mitchell can do it on a national level and probably do even more, Uh, particularly if the team does better. That remains to be seen. Uh, We think it's going to be. And Tim McComb is guaranteed that the Jazz are going to win at the title. They're going to win the ship under Ryan Smith as the owner. Wow. I mean, that would just, man, I hope I'm alive. <laughs> all, all I, I hope say. we're doing this show. Because <laughs> that would just blow the roof off everything. Yep. I, mean, it would, yeah. I can't even imagine uh, what it would be, but I want to imagine it. And so we'll see because you know, there's no reason to think he won't do it, uh, but it's hard to do. I just can't say oh he's going to do it for sure but there's no reason to think why it can't be done and i've been saying that even before i said that when the millers owned the team our majority owner and they owned it exclusively and now ryan smith is the majority owner with these other investors i see no reason why it doesn't happen here because i believe this franchise in this city and it has everything everything that an nba player would want and dennis Lindsay joked about it about he and i were going to go and Wreck all those misconceptions and I believe that that's going to happen. I don't know when or I, I believe there's no reason why it can't happen. That's the way. I. That's my jersey That's the best the most positive I could do uh, So the pros will take care of itself But I would like to see something done more for the collegiate guys because we're only talking about a few mm-hmm. in the PGA I, I, I sort of like what they're doing because you know really everybody owes tiger a level of gratitude Because of the fact of he just brought the sport into such a level of whatever popularity it was compared to what it is now. I think it's largely because of that man and all the things that he did. And he wasn't necessarily a great interview, and he certainly wasn't warm and fuzzy, but people were drawn to the way he competed. And maybe they were drawn to the way that he didn't look like the typical uh, Anglo-Saxon-Caucasian golfer, and maybe that factored into it too i don't know that's up to the individual it doesn't matter to me i'm drawn to good golf and i don't care what the person looks like or whatever so but i get that uh, some people might be interested in that and i think that that's what they should be doing at the collegiate level too and i think it's part of the school's obligation maybe they don't give him or her the direct cash but they'll they facilitate like i said jimmer get your picture with jimmer and your autograph with jimmer after the game and he'll be up there for ninety minutes up on the concourse after the game, and you have to pay for it. You don't think those BYU fans would have done that and, and be able to? have? I can guarantee uh, you.
0: I can guarantee you. And I only know right? one team. I only know one team that's done that, but they did it routinely, and it paid off for them. And you're going to cringe when I say it, but it was Utah women's gymnastics and they would do signing parties up in that room uh, you know where they'd have the press availability with the the oil paintings of the old uh, yeah, 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 ADs yeah. Yeah, and sure. they would come up there and they'd all be in their sweats and and, and there'd be it. lines and there'd be lines around the concourse and it and was and those young guys should have got
3: cash for it
0: yeah yeah so beyond
3: the scholarship
0: and with name, image, and likeness, uh, you know there'll be a way. There'll be a way to do that. They may have to finagle it. But I want it. the school to get involved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think the NCAA wants that yet. I just, I get why you say that, and I'd be fine with it. But it's not happening. <laughs> it's just the NCAA is just fighting it tooth and nail. Okay, name, well, image, well, and likeness uh, should uh, happen. Chris Hill. I mean, how long has Chris not been on the job now? Is this two years or three?
3: Oh, it's at least two. Probably three.
0: I think it's three. And so you got three years now of, uh, and, and, and Chris was, uh, so it was about, it was, I think it was just after, I don't know if it was just before he left or just after he left. He was in here and he came in, he's come in studio a few times, um, you know, pre pandemic. And he was telling us in a break, he said, because you were asking about this exact thing. And in a break, he was saying, Well, name, image, and likeness, that's the low hanging fruit. That, uh, right. That's going to happen pretty quickly. But it's been two or three years and it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> it's like they're, they're just fighting it tooth and nail, dragging their feet. And it seems natural. There's plenty of boosters who own companies, and that's where it would start. And then who knows where it would go from there. As other people think, OK, so I can partner with this guy. How can he help our company? Who are we targeting? Hey this is this is the right athlete you know whether it's a gymnast or a basketball player or, you know in some towns mo- most schools football's huge basketball's a big deal and most of these college towns, there's a third sport the school is good at, and what that sport is varies, right? Men's volleyball is a big deal at BYU, draws students. I can see some local businesses there drawn to them. Well, it's gymnastics, same thing for BYU, right? And then you go to Texas, baseball is a big deal, right? In Austin, it would be the baseball team. You, you can go on down the line at a bunch of different schools.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And SEC baseball is huge. Yeah, I could argue that baseball is better than football in the SEC because you have more schools that are more competitive except instead of the same two or three. Yeah. And obviously Vanderbilt's in there with uh, the pitching <laughs> right, that they've yeah. got right now. So yeah, and I think that the schools should take charge of this and said or allow the player I'll be doing this in conjunction with the school. That's aside from the businesses. And I get it. Get get going with it here. Get going, but if you're good enough to make money off your athletic performance. Zach Moss, uh, after the game, he'll be interacting. He'll, he'll hold a chalk talk with fans, and it costs $30 to attend. And we'll set it up, and, you know, the, 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 the school has to be involved because you're going to use their facility. So, you know, we'll, we'll set up a room, depending on the time of year, and uh, you can do it. I, I really think they should. That, that That's an easy way. And it's a way that I think that the player deserves. And if somebody wants to show up and do it, whether it's the young gals on the gymnastics team or the star shooting guard on the basketball team, could you imagine all that Andre Miller would have made? Oh, my gosh. I, I was all of, being, I,
0: all of those guys Andre Miller would have cashed in coming, Mike Doliak, Keith Van Horn the, the, on down yeah, the line
3: the difference Alex being Finson. that they they that those guys didn't come from compton
0: right yeah. and,
3: and and Andre did I was in his house yeah not that they were extremely poor because it was not a it's, it's not a bad house uh, but nevertheless they could have used the cash for sure and and then maybe maybe you could get maybe it actually would benefit basketball. Because these one and dones like this gonzaga has got this home good kid. well, you better get to know him real quick because practically as soon as he's there, that's just just as soon as he's out the door.
0: you know what I mean? yep and I don't uh, think it'll change for that level of guy, but for the level of guy mm, who goes maybe. why go and be a second round draft pick if you can stay and guarantee no you're gonna make it depends on what school and what town and but you know make X whether it's whether you're yeah, making but, 50 grand or 100 grand but these kids don't think they're going to be a second
3: grand. round draft pick.
0: Well, yeah, I think by the time you get to the draft, you know. I think that's where you come back. It's kind of I think mm. was it Devin Lloyd this year who said it. It was an, and I could have the wrong player, but I think it was Devin Lloyd who said um you know, I I could go in the draft, but if I come back, um you know, basically you can go a couple rounds higher. And it was um
3: That's football's different though.
0: It was Cody yeah. Barton. Yeah, but I think that there are guys, you know, who if if you if you if you get the feedback from the pro from the NBA that you're going to be a second round draft pick, and if your college coach says you're going to make 150 or 200 grand here because of yeah. companies X, Y, and Z and what we're going to set up,
3: see, I don't think so though. You don't? I think huh? they, they. I think they think they're going to make. I think Lou Dort, where he is today, is exactly where he thought he would be. The other guy, the league didn't think it, but I think <laughs> right. he thought it.
0: Yeah. Well, but they'll. They'll be those guys, too. I mean, I don't know that but one size fits all. But I get your point. All.
3: Maybe it helps.
0: Yeah. I don't sure, know that one I, size I fits all. Because sure, Andre, right. to go back to Andre Miller, and it was a different era, granted. Uh, but Andre certainly could have gone a year earlier. And mm-hmm. and Majerus was doing the um, the jazz shows for us during the playoffs. And we were up in Seattle for a playoff series. And I was waiting to do a live shot, and Majerus was standing there talking to me about nothing. I don't even remember what. And George Carl came over, and and he walked up from behind Rick, so Rick didn't see him coming. And George Carl just lit into him about, you got Van Horn coming back another year? What in the world does Keith Van Horn need another year of college for? And it was a different era, but for a guy who's in a area who wants to stay, Leinert wanted to be the big man on campus. Now, he stayed, but it would have been even easier to stay if – USC knew they could hook him up with a half million. You're going to be an influencer online. We're going to set up a, a yeah. shoot with you or some deal with Snoop, and you're going to get a bunch of followers from Snoop, and then you're going to push whatever product.
3: A half million? Why so low? He can't <laughs> more
0: than that. <laughs> well, that was on Monday. On Tuesday, there would have been another half million. <laughs> All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Everything you missed in this show coming up next.
1: The Big Show Show. with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson
6: new head basketball coach at Utah State, Ryan Odom. How important is local recruiting or is it going to be more national and international reach? Certainly, you want to take care of your home base first and foremost. That's the most important to any school. You want to make sure that you take care of your recruiting footprint. Those are the folks that are going to be most impactful. They understand your university and what it's like to be a student there. You want to make sure you're reaching out to those folks that really care about Utah State. This is a contacts business. The better contacts you have, the better chance to be able to put a great team together so i'm excited for the folks here in utah to get to know my staff catch the big show weekdays from two to seven presented by big
1: O tires the team you trust on 97.5 1280 the zone in the zone sports network if you watch steph curry shoot the ball it's just like you just
3: you just go wow I like kiss his it's just just to sit there and watch this guy shoot a basketball well that's how you feel when you watch trevor throw a football when you get to see him live and you get to see him move, you just go, wow. I mean, it's just, it's just different. He's, a, he's a, a face of a franchise guy.
0: I just hate the way the media builds these guys up. It's so irresponsible by those clowns. It's Clemson coach Dabo Sweeney comparing Trevor Lawrence to Steph Curry. The people in the media, just their their clickbaits and the way they hype guys up for their own purposes. I well, hate he's, them.
3: He's selling his own program there for sure too. Yeah, but no. uh, the funny, the great thing about this draft, and I'm going to be excited to watch it next week. Certainly the first round, anyway. Uh, what are we uh, eight days away now? Uh, is going to be in 25 years. They're going to do some type of documentary on this draft quarterback class. We don't know how it's going to be 25 years, although I guarantee Zach Wilson's going to be a success. That's how much confidence I have. Write that down. Book it. Mark my words. My mother used to say, mark my words. And i
0: think, oh, here we go. <laughs> now, did you eye roll? How old were you before you'd eye roll in uh, front of her? Two. <laughs> in front of her. So I roll like, Mah! knock it off,
3: ma. If you think, and that's what we call uh, everybody from the East, call them Ma. You call them Dad, but Ma. And uh, if you think that I'm a bag of hot air, which I am, you should have met her. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's where I got it from. But she would say, Mark, my words. I could still remember that, along with a bunch of other profanity. That was one of her uh, non-profane sayings. I, I believe Mark... Or, um, yeah, Mark Wilson was good, too. But I think Zach Wilson is going to be really, really good. But we know this is going to be precedent-setting. At least we anticipated being with all these quarterbacks going so soon. And
0: uh, you know
3: that yeah. they're going to do some type of special on this in the years to come. Who's going to be successful? Who's going to be have hardships? Who's going to be successful with another team, not the original team that they drafted? Who's going to wish that... They were draft. They would have drafted this player higher or that player higher, or who knows? Trubisky's taken by the Bears. when Holmes is available. I mean, it's just you don't even necessarily have to wait twenty five years. You can go back in like three or four years uh, and yep. be able to figure so, that stuff out. I
0: want to go. I want to go back ten years right now. Redraft the NFL draft. This is going to be very insightful because 10 years in the NFL, a lot of these guys are done. And if not, then for 10 years they've excelled and you know who they are. 10 years ago, the number one pick was Cam Newton. Led his team to a Super Bowl, uh, multiple Pro Bowls. Yeah, MVP. Right. So Cam Newton went number one. Carolina took him and it was a win. There were four quarterbacks in the top 12.
3: Four in the top 12. Okay. Okay.
0: Now, here's the other thing. Their top 16 picks, 12 of them went to the Pro Bowl. Four did not. And three of the four who did not were quarterbacks.
3: Yeah, the the Pro Bowl being the most watered down of all of
0: them. Okay, but it means you're a pretty good player at your position. Sure. I I get the watered down thing, absolutely. But it's still like, you got yourself a pretty good player. The only ones who didn't get themselves a pretty good player, Tennessee took Jake Locker out of Washington with the eighth pick. Jacksonville took Blaine Gabbert out of Missouri with the 10th pick, and J.J. Watt was on the board and went 11 to Houston. And Minnesota oh, yeah. took Christian Ponder out of Florida State with the 12th pick.
3: Now, Christian Ponder's married to that uh, broadcast gal. What's Samantha.
0: Name?
3: Yeah, she's from uh, Phoenix, uh, and they've been married now for a number of years. We had Christian Ponder on the show. You him on, yep. That was awesome that uh, he was a quarterback and he came on because they played uh, BYU. And that was uh, fun to have him uh, on the show. I became a fan of his at that point because normally you, you can't even get the coach on and they put the quarterback on mm. leading up to that. I remember that. So, yeah, quarterback's tough to make it at that position, though. I mean, the standard is extremely high.
0: The second-rounders did well. You remember the second-round picks from 10 years ago? I'm thinking there's oh. no way you do. Andy Dalton and Colin Kaepernick. And they outperformed three of the four first-round guys.
3: Yeah, and that's the thing, too, I was going to say, is that there's probably somebody who's not going to be drafted in mm-hmm. the first round who's going to be decent. There's plenty of those guys. I'm looking at you, Dak Prescott, fourth round, if I remember correctly. And now he just got uh, just uh, the bank down in Dallas, and hopefully he's recovered from his injury and can have a lot of success this season for the Cowboys. Uh, but you don't really know, and so it's so intriguing that's what I say about how sports just keep reinventing themselves, uh, for me anyway. And each year, or maybe a, you miss a year or whatever, but sooner than later, there's going to be something that's going to intrigue you. And right off the bat with this NFL draft next week, to me, is all sorts of intrigue. Who goes uh, ahead of whom and, and what they do and what, what do the Niners do right there? Niners essentially have the first pick <laughs> because we anticipate the other two guys going where they go. What do the Patriots do? Uh, does Pittsburgh want to jump in the mix because mm-hmm. their guy's on the way out? You know, and how do you how do you handle all this stuff and and all these? Tra- and then you can turn around and, and draft somebody, and then two years later, or even the next year later. I mean, you look at the Cardinals; they took Josh Rosen. Now he hasn't amounted to anything, which really surprises me. I mean, literally, he's amounted to nothing. In the NFL, it's not like even he's a a backup waiting for a turn. I, mean, I think he's a practice squad guy, and he was the 10th pick, and then the next year the Cardinals get the first pick, and they take Murray, and we're still waiting to see how good he's going to be. He's shown signs, uh, but I think the jury's definitely out on him. I don't see where you could say uh, he's going to be uh, what we expected, what we hoped for. Not yet, anyway. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. I don't know. But that's stuff that we'll follow, and we'll follow all these quarterbacks, too. And Trevor Lawrence, who their coach, Sweeney, is making comparisons to Steph Curry shooting the basketball. There's never been anybody better in the history of the game shooting the basketball than Steph Curry. Never, ever. There'll be other guys who are in the category and are very close or even, but nobody's been better. And you're making that comparison with Trevor Lawrence, and he's going to Urban Meyer, no less? Wow, man, this is Hollywood stuff.
0: That was on the list of things I wanted to talk to John Beck about about all the changes Urban's going to have to make going from college to the pro, going to the pro game. It's a totally different deal. Um, I want it real quick. We're up against here. I want to redraft one more draft for you. you. Ready, PK? Go ahead. Five years ago, so we got a pretty good read on these guys, but they're still active. So uh, Jared Goff went number one, just got traded by the Rams. He did get him to a Super Bowl. And Carson Wentz number two. Uh, to the Eagles, uh, and then we didn't see any quarterbacks for a long time. But when we talk about, hey, the, the top two quarterbacks, only one is likely to make it, well, there's a case where I don't think you can gripe that much about either one of those picks. And I know the Rams have, have moved on from them, but they, they won, they won a lot of games. Second-round pick, do you remember Christian Hackenberg? Jets took him out yeah. of Penn State.
3: Yeah, Penn State.
0: Yeah. That was um, a spectacular flop on that front. <laughs> uh, Jacoby Brissett, Brissett, Brissett Patriots, Brissett. Brissett, third round. Uh Still with the okay. Colts. He's where? He was with the Colts last yeah, year. He
3: filled in when Brady got uh, suspended and mm-hmm. then Jimmy G got hurt.
0: Yep, and he's also spent time filling in for guys like Phillip Rivers and Andrew yeah. Luck out there in Indianapolis. And that's the draft where Dak Prescott went in the fourth, fourth round. Fourth round, yeah. Yep. So, there you go. Uh, there were there were some other other good players in that draft. You know, when do you gamble for a quarterback? When do you go for uh, for somebody else? Joey Bosa and Ezekiel Elliott went three, four. So, the Chargers and Cowboys got pretty good players there with the next couple of picks. They did. All right, DJ and PK, other stuff we've talked about this morning. We talked uh, draft and quarterbacking with John Beck. That's up at 1280thezone.com. you got to hear that. John's always a good interview. Tim Lacombe, 830, coming on and saying, Ryan Smith is going to win a championship. He doesn't know when, but he's going to win a championship owning the Jazz. And for D. Wade, fills in some of the gaps. There were a lot of good things, but there were some downsides, too, and he can help there. So D-Wade gets his fourth title then, huh? Right, another ring. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> I would assume if you were a a uh, you know, the majority owner would get a ring, but I would think the minority owner Oh, would they get a all ring would. Yeah, Absolutely. Gail everybody Miller would who get has one. A rings yeah. for everybody. We what, should get a we ring. We, we should get one too, yeah, man. We're not, we're not getting uh, rings. Tone, tone it down. <laughs> I'm ordering one now. Okay, you do that.
3: Or at least it's a cap or a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right, DJ and PK, coming up next. If you get a ring, you can drop a Wii, PK. How about that? Great. Oh, if they win, I'll be dropping Wiis left (laughs) and right. (laughs) We did it. (laughs) We did it. I did it here sitting on my butt (laughs) and doing nothing. All right. When we come back, your feedback. Stay with us.
7: And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere.
3: All the BYU fans, they're thinking that Bill Belichick is going to trade up to Number two, and then he is going to take a Zach Wilson, and then he's going to tutor him, and then he's going to take him to a Super Bowl.
0: What was that? Comes in from Forrester. Forrester. All right. Belichick's not trading up. Not to two. Maybe to ten. Maybe to eight. You
3: calling it? Are you calling your shot? Is that what you're doing?
0: There's been a lot of speculation because they got the 10 picks. They got six in the first uh, four rounds. Uh So he could literally trade three picks for one and still have four picks in the first four rounds. If the quarterback he wants, and of course, you know, it's like you get a better chance of cracking some NSA code than you got to figure out what Belichick wants. But if the guy he wants slips to where he can get a pick – they think he will make the move. There are multiple people guessing that. But the thing is that all these NFL experts who follow it way closer than you and I do, they can say that and then say, well, he didn't do it because the guy he wanted didn't fall that far. You know, got taken at three, four, five or whatever. Okay. Yeah, I understand that. That is the intrigue of watching the first round of the NFL uh, draft. You know, the most first definitely. the first couple picks. Okay, but then who's going to trade up, and that's going to scramble the order? And they all evaluate these. It's the ultimate team game, so how you pull out one individual's worth and then how you project their improvement forward, I mean, people are just all over the map. Pro- projecting the first round is really hard, and that's why a Hall of Famer like a Super Bowl champ like Aaron Rodgers can slide so far. All right, uh, list radio, PK. Psh! My favorite. Oh, it's lazy radio. I'm all for lazy radio. If it's good radio. Right. <laughs> so now, and you always talk about how TV's about popularity. Uh, radio's a little bit like popularity, and now it turns out with the web, you know, it used to be newspapers relied on subscriptions, but now about web hits, so what you write about can impact how many clicks you get. Well, it's
3: an entertainment business. Newspapering, there is no such thing as newspapering now. It's, it's all, media is now all forms of entertainment.
0: Mm-hmm. And the L.A. Times, I see this. They've uh, they put this up on Twitter. All 85 Prince singles ranked from worst to best, and it's on the fifth anniversary of his death. So they're ranking all 85 singles that have been officially released.
3: That's the world in which we live in, and list radio. I mean, that that's a catchphrase, but people are into that, man. Yeah. I mean, it's this whole thing we haven't discussed it because I didn't think it was worth it. But the the somewhere in soccer they're going to do the top fifteen. Well, how would that be in college football? And and I'm sure radio shows and stations across the country hit
0: on that. And I've seen, yeah, I've seen it. What would college football and college basketball? What if the Power Five decide to only play each other in football and basketball? That would be the comparison. But it was also driven a lot by the NFL because. The, there's multiple owners who own NFL teams and, and some of the richest, most popular English soccer clubs. And three of them were right in the middle of this. Like, what are we doing? We'd, like, we'd never have an NFL with 300 teams. What are we doing here? Let's get down to the people who really drive it. Well, they can
3: do whatever the hell they want. I couldn't care less. Uh, American sports, I'm all into it. But I don't pay a lick of attention to anything that doesn't happen in our country.
0: Except for the British Open.
3: Well, that's because Americans are participating. Aha! No, you got me there. You're yeah.
0: right. All right, we got people tweeting at us today. Uh, we've got, um, on the uh, question of the day, the PJ Tour will give $40 million in annual bonuses to players based on their likability and fan engagement. Should pro and college sports follow suit? And Devin tweets at us, why don't they invest this money into underprivileged youth golf programs?
3: The PGA, I think they already are.
0: They? they do some, right? So it's a question of budgeting. You know, how much do you push back towards the players? How much do you push to the grassroots and try to grow the sport? And how do they break that down? Why? Why one percentage? I don't even know what the percentages be as far as you know funding a, a program like First Tee. I think we've all heard of First Tee, right? And how much are they? How much are they pushing towards that? And then how much do they push to these other? I I don't have a good answer. Yeah, I
3: that. mean, golf essentially is a country club sport. There's no mm-hmm. question about that. And the kids who uh, come from affluent families, uh, they're usually uh, where they're coming from—the better players. That's why somebody like a Tony Finau, if he should make it, which is rare, ends up being such a phenomenal story. I mean, think of all the publicity Tony Finau has gotten with only one win.
0: He drove golf balls into a mattress in his garage.
3: Yeah, we all know that story. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I've met his father. I've talked to his father. Uh, I, I, it's funny. I saw him at the Phoenix Open, and I was following Tony. And Kaleppy and, uh, came up uh, and tapped me on his shoulder. Hey, PK. Startled the crap out of me. <laughs> and, uh, and had an opportunity to spend some time with him. And, but, but it's a phenomenal story. And obviously the death of his mother is a tragedy and all that stuff. But, that, yeah, I, I would love to see uh, more minorities in golf. Absolutely, I would. Josh, no question sa- about it.
0: Josh says this seems fair. The unengaged and unknown highly important offensive lineman won't get a thing or even have the chance to. Great plan. Yeah, see,
3: that's not true, though. I
0: agree. Nick Ford knocked it out. And yeah. this is not a surprise because we both interviewed him before. But on the Pac-12 Network, the youth spring game, Nick Ford was awesome. He knocked it out of the park with his interview. He was hilarious. He set up his right. teammate. Um Charlie Brewer. Oh, he's got it what tell us one thing about the offense. Well Charlie burr has got a great voice. He really sings the R and B. It was hilarious. And they bring Brewer on and he's just backpedaling like a cornerback. Not a quarterback, a cornerback. No, 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 no. No, not true. Farthest from the truth. And Bre- yeah, it's up to the individual. Yeah.
3: Obviously Kyle Gunther had tons of personality.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, and then at the same time, you had the Denver Broncos offensive line was famous for not talking to the media for years. Mark Schlereth and the boys. Would not speak. I don't even know how many years that went on. Eight and now 10? Schlereth
3: is a big media personality himself. Yep. Huge.
0: Yep. Yeah, telling all kinds Wait, of stories. About, you can look down at Provo, Tristan Hodge. If you have anybody's talked to that young man, he's got a great personality.
3: Yeah, yeah so I, I would disagree. I get the theory, but I disagree with it because it's up to the individual.
0: All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. More to debate there. We'll have to leave it for another time. Hans and Scott here next.